Hi everyone, my name's Deeg. This is Basement Side Chats. I'm here today with Easy Raka. What's up, Raka? Hello. So honored to be here. Well, I'm I'm honored to you? have you. How how the hell are you? I'm great. I'm great. I can't complain. Uh, you know, it's a little bit late over here in uh, in in good old Germany. Uh, we have a bit of a, a time zone difference here, right? We do. Um, Nine hours. Yeah. But, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. But I'm glad that uh, that it worked out, right? I'm glad that we can still be here tonight and uh, hopefully have some some real good gaming discussions. Gamer right? talk. It's gamer time, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> usually, so the name of my podcast is Basement Side Chats, and usually I record at night. So it's very easy to get into a basement kind of mood. But the, the sun is like still up here on the, right on the now, west coast of the U.S. Hey, what, so it feels very. What time is it for you actually? It's a. Uh, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, so it's, it's. I certainly am in the in the gamer mood. It's a Friday. That's 11 right. PM. You're at the so, very uh, start. This is Friday at eleven o'clock. Yeah, is like yeah. it's like the onset of gamer time. It's the pinnacle of gaming right now. Yeah, because you know tomorrow is Saturday, which means you can just be completely irresponsible with your sleep habits tonight. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or one would hope. I wish. I, I wish I could. I, I'm afraid I've, I've 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 had to grow grow out of that one. Oh no! I, I wish I could just completely slub out of the weekends, but unfortunately, you know, when, like, when gamers grow up, I have to work. Them. You hate to see it. Ah, oh, it feels terrible, man. It feels awful. Yeah. So speaking of feeling awful, um, no, I'm just kidding. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know where this is going, and I love, I love how you just did that. Yeah. Uh, so good. actually, um, so I've been doing this podcast for for the whole year, and I've been trying new stuff as we go along the way. Shout out to Merrick, I see him in the chat. What's up, man? Uh, and uh, I think that what might be kind of cool, uh, and what might be very basementy, because I was talking to you beforehand, I was saying, you know, basement side chats. This is what I'm trying to evoke with the podcast is like this idea that. I used to have when I was a kid and I would be in the ba in a literal basement in my parents' house in a corner with a TV playing Nintendo or whatever with my friends. And we would like oh, yeah, yeah. pause the game and just talk for like an hour about something that was completely like started being completely meaningless and about gaming. But then as time went on, it got more and more like, oh, my God, this is like actually like people should know about this. <laughs> I love that. dude. I love that. That's awesome. And I've, so I've made those same experiences, you know, like. Yeah, or, or or like late night like Discord or Ventrilo chats with your bros. Like that's mm -hmm. it's trying to take those people need to hear this and actually channeling it. So here I am, twenty years later, I'm almost forty years old. I've finally gotten on the air. Um <laughs> took some time. Well, better late than never, right? Better late than never. That's what I'm going with. So yeah, uh in honor of that, um, what may be I think a fun place to start the conversation, because we do have some cool stuff we're gonna talk about. I think we're gonna talk about so the reason I, I finally got the courage to ask you to come on is because of two tweets you sent. And I'm going to just show them here with the power of technology. Okay. So oh, I actually can see them. That's, uh, yeah, actually. they'll be on the stream. So tweet number one, Raka says, can someone please make a video about how and why strike missions in Guild Wars 2 failed terribly? I'll provide you all the info you need. Promise DMs are open. And then just a few days later, I kind of miss being on podcasts. And I just, I knew you were speaking directly at me when you said that. And that's why. I'm glad that you heard my call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what this I happened. I felt so picked up when you DM'd me. There were actually like one or two people that DM'd me, hey, I'd, you know, you know, I'd make a video. I'd make it like, if you, if you script it out for me, I'll make a video. I was like, ah, oh, you that's know. That's a lot of work, man. If I have to script it out, I may as well record it, kind of, you know. like. And, that, and that's the great thing about a podcast is you don't got to script it out. You just got to sit down and start, and start, exactly. start flapping your gums. Uh, 
But there's so, also a format that I just like much more. I just love to, you know, have that exactly what you described, right? Just like this, you know, talk kind of thing, not too formal. Two buddies sitting on a couch playing video games, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, what about the the format do you like? Like, you've been on other podcasts before. Like, I I kind of got to know you through Tea Time. Um, what's what's been your experience with podcasts in the past? Um, well, I've been on Tea Time a couple of times. I mm -hmm. tend to be the PVE guy. Uh, mm -hmm. I think people probably know me as, like, people who've been around for a while may know me as the toxic elitist guy, because that used to be kind of the, the meme surrounding my online persona, I guess. Even though I'm not toxic at all, okay, I just want to point that out real quick. I'm a perfectly nice person, and I've done a lot over the over the years to try and help people raid, okay? Just throwing that out there before people flame me for being toxic again. Um, PMA rocker. And, uh... <laughs> well, yeah, that's a whole remix of me on YouTube. Okay, biggest honor I've ever received in the Guild Wars Two community was a remix about me being toxic. That's um, beautiful. Where is that? And, Find me a link for that when you get a chance. Someone in chat. Uh, do you know Zach Love? Do you of know, course. Uh, he, he's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, he, 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 did, he he did the, the WP he video. Did. Like he did one on on Teapot, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that is my biggest in-game achievement: is that I am one of those. You know content creators who have their own meme remix made about them that's uh, that that's quite a, a threshold to hit i bet you like a, when that came more. out did you call your <laughs> mom straight away about that by the way that maybe comes on <laughs> <laughs> i actually do consider that one of my big achievements in the game is having a, a meme remix it's it's awesome dude i uh, like so when when that came out what did you do who did you tell of I, i'm not even i don't i'm not sure if i even had a discord server back then um I don't know. Who, who did I tell? I probably told my... I, I was streaming at the time more actively than I am now, so mm. I, I guess I just... I, I think I listened to it a bunch of times until nobody wanted to hear it anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wake up you're in your, and you're humming it. Did you tell any of your, like, any of your, like, IRL family or friends? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not sure my like, my parents would think, like, laugh about that the same way that I do. All right, Noxie has a link. It, I know? think we're going to have to watch this on the stream. Hang on. Let me, make, let me oh see if God. it's correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Raka versus the casuals. That that sounds like it, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's the one. Yeah. All right. Let me just get the story the, of my life. The overlay going. <laughs> 480p. What the hell? Okay. That's fine. Okay. Here we go. Is casuals versus elitists. That is my natural Rocker face, by the way. hates casuals. That I'm gonna be a little bit toxic here, right? And here we go! Roast the casuals. Roast the casuals. Expose. Expose. And call out the casuals. Roast the casuals. Roast the casuals. I guess I'm sorry. Call out the casuals. They don't actually ever play the game. The entire community is that way. Toxic pranks. Being criticized. Well, what do you expect? Well, well, what do you expect? You underperform and then you then you get told, yes, you underperformed. Yes, you underperformed. Asshole community. Toxic pranks. Yes, they're all assholes. What, and they got no clue. They get flamed, they get kicked, and then they're pissed off. They are probably going to be toxic fucks. Pranks. You didn't do your homework before you went into a raid. It is actually a big <laughs> problem. Roast the casuals. Roast the casuals. Expose. Expose. And call out the casuals. Roast the casuals. Roast the casuals. I guess I'm sorry. Call out the toxic pranks. And Teapot on the chorus line. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Teapot's voice was probably more prominent than mine in that video. So it's like he he was a prominent part of that uh, of that video. Yeah. Well, I mean, th th there's there's some shared grief there, right? 
between you and Teapot and, and that whole community of people who tried to like Guild Wars raids? Yeah. <laughs> Let's say that, I mean, the, the whole, the discussion of like the elitist versus the casual is as old as raids themselves, mm -hmm. right? That has mm -hmm. been, uh, I've witnessed the same discussions in Final Fantasy. The same discussions have been had in, in, in Guild Wars 2 basically since raids. Even before raids, the, these discussions have been relevant. Even yeah. in dungeons, people had these exact same discussions. It's just like, it's just one of these topics, right? Where I think uh, Guild Wars 2 has actually made some really good progress, especially like people like Teapot, uh, you know, kind of opening up to the casual community. Mm -hmm. and, um, um, and also in a way, but at the same time, and this is probably what I appreciate about that the most, it's like without like completely losing like your values as a player who just enjoys performance kind of gameplay, mm -hmm. you know? It's like a gameplay driven player. Um, it's not like people just said, okay, yeah, fuck it. Let's all play like, like, like trash and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we'll just, you know, do the thing where we live in a, a, a gummy bear world. Right. But mm -hmm. um, instead kind of saying, Hey, you know, we're not flaming you. We're, we're cool. We have like that. We have a conversation and uh, you join us. We'll teach you. Right. Like the goal is to strive together as a community. Right. That's something mm -hmm. that uh, especially like the Guild Wars 2 community through Teapot, I think has actually achieved in kind of a beautiful way. Um, although I'm, I'm, <laughs> can't deny that i think like a good amount of just depression is also part of that if you're like in that rating kind of community why like are gamers depressed Rocka? well <laughs> well <laughs> not all of them okay <laughs> there are some games that aren't as depressed as others but i would say yes. the rating scene in Guild Wars 2 definitely has a little bit of a well i mean what, what do you expect right to quote myself from the song earlier um, if you don't get raids for such a long time, right? What what can you really, or any kind of skill driven, combat driven kind of content, right? Mm -hmm. um, of course, people are going to be disappointed, and and I mean that's that's where the game kind of lost me, right? I've uh, not really been playing it was too very actively for the last year. Mm -hmm. um, the last thing I really did actively in the game was um, uh, the ERP three. Um, Nice right. little event, maybe you've heard of it. Uh, yeah, Teapot's rating tournament, elitist rating party. Yeah, Mega hype. That was kind of the last Mega thing hype. I, I, I played for, sort of. And uh, after that, it kind of, you know, fell off. Uh, right. So the story of rating in Guild Wars 2, maybe this is a, a, a fair place to start. Because um, uh, I think you have to talk, in order to talk topic. about strikes. That's a very broad topic. Yeah, well, we got time. So, uh, yeah, but in order, I think in order to talk about strikes, you have to talk about raids. And maybe you have to talk about dungeons in order to talk about raids. Is that? Do you think that's fair to say? Did the dungeon? Okay, so uh, I think raids. No. Just, just to set the stage for everyone, raids came into Guild Wars in the fall of 2015, uh, just after the first expansion, Heart of Thorns, was released. And Heart of Thorns itself was a change of course for ArenaNet, who, when they released Guild Wars 2, thought that they were going to just be able to sustain the game through this this live update model, which they they tried with season one. And they moved to a season two model where um, well, season one had a bunch of stuff that, that came into the game and left. Season two has stuff that came into the game and stayed. And then the expansion was announced, massive content desert on either side of it. But the expansion itself really raised the bar and had a lot of new systems, including raids. So Forsaken Thicket came out in, I think, November 2015, something like that. And there were... There were two more raid wings that followed very quickly after. So within about six months, there were three raid wings, and each raid wing had 
uh, like three to four encounters that were actually meaty encounters that you had to, to nut up and really learn your stuff in order to succeed with. Do you think everything I said there is fair? Yeah, I, ironically, that time is uh, referred to as the big post-HOT content route by the majority of players, even yeah. though from a raid perspective, it's probably <laughs> the golden days. Right? Yes. Uh, that was the time uh, where with Heart of Thorns, they actually really had that strict course for raids and they had like a battle plan, right? They, they were like, hey, we bring out these raids and they have multiple wings and we have them prepared. And I'm pretty sure they had like a lot of them prepared. And a continuous story they... that, that that joined them through. Like it was it was a pretty neat package. Yeah. I mean, the rewards kind of sucked, map, but you know? but there was the, the the teaser of the legendary armor that came at the start of that, and everyone who was raiding knew that eventually their raiding was going to result in whatever the hell legendary armor was going to be. Of, of course, that one then backfired quite a bit, right? Um, the <laughs> see, legendary see armor Brazil's was, uh... YouTube channel for for yeah, yeah. a thorough a history. Great reference to kind of sum up the frustrations for that one. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, from like the Raiders' perspective, that was a um, that was definitely a great time. Uh, that's when I I actually started playing Guild Wars Two again. I've I've started playing Guild Wars Two when it came out, but I only played it for maybe a month or two, and mm -hmm. um, uh, which is when I found like a lack of end game. I wasn't really an MMO player back then, not really a huge gamer at all mm -hmm. necessarily. Um, How did you find Guild Wars Two? Uh, I, th I think like in in high school it was like i mean it was to had a huge hype when it came out initially mm -hmm. right um and those were it, it kind of ties into mmos were just a lot more popular in high school and shit back then so mm -hmm. um, which would have been around like, I, like what 2010 ish for you you, you say high school but i'm a bit MMOs older than you so i'm, so I'm, I'm trying to place this um high school I, for me yeah, was, was turn of the century it come out like i finished high school in uh 2012 i got think it. got so, it been a few it's been a few days it's been a few weeks right, right um yeah but we you know we just back then i didn't really stick to one game as much i played mostly league of legends and then like uh every now and then we'd like have like my real life buddies and myself we'd like jump into a game play that for mm -hmm. a couple of weeks and see if it kind of holds our attention yeah, game it of was who didn't do that at release and i think it didn't do that for a lot of people that's one of the big um like you can actually see that the player base, I think, massively fell off after a couple of weeks. Right. Um, because the end game was sparse at the was... time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it had dungeons, it had Vault vs. World, but I guess um, the whole horizontal progression system that the game has just didn't really, uh, yeah, didn't immediately give, give people a place to go. So people kind of jumped out rather quickly. And I was one of these people. Uh, and I actually came back when Heart of Thorns was announced, and um, especially because Heart of Thorns announced that it would have raids, and that was like half. I think I I started playing the game like half a year before Heart of Thorns mm -hmm. launched, mm -hmm. because that's how early they announced it. Um, yeah, it was and, like you nine know, months. I just logged in ahead of the. I was kind of lucky. I found a guild. I found like a lovely German community guild. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was a very casual gamer. We did dungeon tours and organized silver wastes runs you know yeah that's, that's uh, what i was doing then too starting it was too uh -huh. yeah and then and then raids came out we we ran into raids and eventually i wanted to go more and more try hard um kind of uh, uh resulting in a little bit of a uh cv for my for my history in the game now but uh i guess to just i'll just finish that up i guess over there and then yeah, just started to like to try hard raid around wing to release it's when i joined a guild called lucky noobs started doing you know speed runs raid records speed kills all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. uh low man's back then and uh yeah yeah that's what i've been doing since then basically mm -hmm. um 
And was Guild Wars your first raiding game? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. The very first time I ever raided in any MMOs was actually Guild Wars 2. Mm -hmm. I always you... wanted to try it out, but I never really liked the other raiding games. Uh, Such as? World of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of friends who were really into World of Warcraft, but I don't know. I never really got into it. And uh, I guess at the time, free-to-play was also kind of appealing to me. No sub-fee mm -hmm. was uh, definitely, you know, played into it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was kind of like this this thing where I was like, oh, I always kind of wanted to try out raids. You know, Get Was 2 is bringing out raids. It's a brand new game. You can be like one of the, you know, uh, actually, no, it wasn't a brand new game anymore at that point. But, you know, like, I knew I had that well, account. I could log in. A brand in. new I community was forming around raids. Like, yeah, yeah. You were right about that. Um, and that was also something that I really enjoyed when raids came out was like the thought of, Hey, I can be like one of the, one of the first again, you know, that I think that's a really appealing thought when stuff comes out, like I can be one of the first to do this, to do that. For me personally, it was, I started, I was one of the first druid mains in the game. The huh. whole concept of having a healer wasn't really established back in dungeons. Right. Um, so I, you know. When How the Thorns came out, I was like, hey, dude, I'm going to be the best fucking druid in the entire game, okay? Like, yeah. And I was a complete noob back then. I was like, I was terrible at the time. But, I, you know, I had that kind of goal to, like... Yeah, well, the mentality got you there, right? Yeah. And, I mean, it, it, it worked out to some extent. Right? Wait, wait, it did, did you become the best druid right? in the game? I need to know this. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyone who can verify this so. claim? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just. Well, I mean, I would say I was definitely. I, I was one of the druid players, I guess, that did a bit more theory craft. You know, like yeah. back then, druid was quite the different class. It was much more important, um, and just not many. Be, Ranger was a meme before Heart of Thorns. Mm -hmm. Not many people played Ranger um, because in dungeons it just wasn't as good. Um, mm -hmm. So it was also like it was a high a class that was high in demand because not people, not many people were skilled on Ranger to kind of translate into becoming a druid main. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and Druid, for those of you who don't know Guild Wars 2 very well, is was the elite specialization that came out for the Ranger class in with the Heart of Thorns expansion. Heart of Thorns gave a new elite spec. It was one of the new systems that the, that the, the expansion brought in. So like my, my main was a warrior, and so I got the Berserker specialization um, at the time, and I learned how to love condition damage. At least for a little while. The funny thing is that actually, I, I never liked Ranger classes. That's like the trope I almost probably like the least in in MMOs, but yeah. I always like a healer and a support. Okay. Druid was special in that way. Druid was the first ever build that was introduced by the developers that was a straight up focus on just healing. Mm -hmm. That didn't do, like, there was no DPS intended for Druid initially, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the entire kit was just, okay, this skill will heal this much. This skill is a bigger heal. This one is a heal over time. Uh, and that's just uh, kind of unseen to that point in Guild Wars 2. Um, to really have that dedicated healer kind of spec. So take us yeah, back. So. Why was that a new thing for Guild Wars 2? Because I think at this time when Guild Wars came out, the idea of the Holy Trinity was very common in most MMORPGs. Tank, DPS, support. and But Guild Wars 2 was and, and different up to, up to, up to, up to that point. That. Yeah, right. yeah, Guild Wars 2. And very, very... I mean, this is like the whole core philosophy of Guild Wars 2 is kind of to be different, right? So like, to not be World of Warcraft. Uh -huh. to, um, to Yeah. So you, you can see that in really, really many areas of the game. You can see them trying to, you know, intentionally be like an opposite, uh, to be like the yin to the yang kind of. Right? Anti-MMO. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and uh, they definitely carved out a, um, 
a spot for themselves on the on the grand scheme of the market. Um, I don't want to interrupt and, you, but, but yeah. can you just tilt your camera down a little bit? Uh, a little bit just more. Just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, getting cut just off a little bit. A little bit. Uh, like that? Yeah, that's that perfect. Okay? That's perfect. All right. <laughs> yeah, sorry for that. My camera setup is a mess. No, it, um, it, it's okay. No worries. And where, where were we? We were... Yeah, so, um, and, and back then, really, the only PvE endgame the game had was dungeons, was like five-man mm-hmm. instanced PvE, uh, that and open-world events, you know, like the very large-scale open-world events, I mm-hmm. guess, if you want to count Tequatl in there. But that's, I, I would say that's kind of a different story, open-world instance PvE. Those yeah. have very different kind of uh, uh, appeals. Um, so I'm I'm going to be more focused on the instance side than the open-world, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, dungeons were kind of the only real one where, where you'd actually think about a group setup to that extent, to that detail, right? You'd have like a macro level. If, if you did Tequattle, you'd still like know what classes you wanted, where you'd kind of think about that. On Triple Trouble, you'd, you'd know like, okay, there's a worm that, you know, takes more Condi damage and stuff. But it didn't have that kind of micro level where you'd really say, go nitty gritty and be like, okay here's a, a, a group and that group needs to have a tank, that group needs to have a healer, and that group needs to have this balance of mm-hmm. supplying boons, etc. Mm-hmm. And that really is more, much more relevant in, in dungeons and instance content. Mm-hmm. Because there's like a limit on the number of players, the number of exactly. buffs you can bring, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and at that point where you have that limit, like developers can really, um, can really scale the bosses to be intended for that number of players, right? And that's where you kind of can really start to like balance fine in a fine-tuned kind of way right um whether you do <laughs> is, a, is a different story of course yeah um but uh it's okay and the druid then comes out and suddenly guild wars has a support class for this yeah. new kind of content that no one's done before so <clears throat> exactly i would love to hear your, your experience of starting raids as a druid like how did you find the raids at first? Were they did they live up to your expectations? Um, oh yeah, they were. They were. I found them incredibly hard initially. Like my group of so difficulty casual, was very uh, important to you right from the start. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Continue. I love the feeling of overcoming challenge in a video game. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why I love games like Dark Souls. I love games like Sekiro. I love I love raids in Final Fantasy now. Um, progressing through a challenging encounter. Spending a lot of time and, you know, putting, like, your whole heart into it, kind of, right? And eventually getting that kill is, you know, that that's kind of what drives me as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's how I got hooked eventually. It's like, we, we spend so much time on VG. And, we, you know, mm-hmm. we were horribly misguided little peoples back then. Because uh-huh. nowadays, if you, if you start raiding, right, you have all of these guides. You have all of these established builds that, like super try-hard players over years and years have theory crafted right um and back then we didn't have any of that back then people had exactly one gear set and that was berserker mm-hmm. and if you went into a dungeon everybody ran berserker gear mm-hmm. that was that was the, the dungeon DPS gear. that's yeah you didn't like condi wasn't even really a thing back then what well, was it broken existed. right not many people played it very few people played it um, wasn't there a condition cap like a global condition cap that made it so that if if even if you were able to apply 99 burns, only 25 would actually apply to the mob. And so, if you have multiple oh, people I'm bringing conditions, not sure about that. I... See, I I wouldn't even know because I, I didn't even because I didn't even care about that side of the game before yeah. right started. 
And I, I, I explicitly remember us going into the raid instance for the first time, seeing, mm-hmm. oh, wait, there's a boss that only takes Condi damage. And that's kind of how the developers forced the community to yeah, start with exploring Guardian. that side of the game. Yeah. It's like they literally put a boss in the game that said, you have to do Condi damage now. And I remember everybody starting to go um, to go crazy, like, oh, dude, who has anything Condi? Who even has the gear for this? Mm-hmm. Who has? And back then it was the engineer. Engineer was like the one class we all knew kind of was a... Um, was a was a Connie class and and everybody started jumping at their who can actually play NG. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember that was it was great, dude. It was I, I loved it. That was one of my favorite memories. It was a chaotic really, time, like, right? Because no one knew yeah. the best way to play anymore. Um, and us as a guild kind of like pooling our resources, you know, mm-hmm. like because suddenly we needed a Condi player. We found have has anybody here had any experience on uh, NG? And if yes, then okay, we'll go out of our way, we'll start pooling gold as a guild and we'll buy you condi gear you know and you'll be a condi right it was real special to be yeah, the condi guy right? that's the like, good mmo shit really right cool. there exactly uh, it felt really really cool that's one of the mmoist kind of experience i've had in the game mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. is uh, that initial uh working together yeah yeah to to get into the right in uh-huh. the first place that was, so that's cool you you your your guild kill uh pooled resources to get condied up um after yeah, yeah, to get yeah. used and, to it and me on the i got people yeah. sent me a lot of money because i people who know me know i'm always broke in the game like people uh-huh. sent me gold so i could craft my initial it was a zealot set oh right like, i don't know if you know the. i don't know if you know what zealot set has for stats go ahead and... but that's a horrible set to start healing on yeah <laughs> so, and it's very it was so, very hard to get at the time terrible set. It, it, it yeah, was zealots like, it, it was based on a map currency wasn't it i don't remember uh, it ha- yeah yeah it wasn't uh, easy sprockets, to get though. watch watch works sprockets or something yeah uh, which i think were a lot more expensive at the time mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it was a difficult gear set to obtain so uh, and again that made me feel so much more special right because hey dude now i'm the i'm the healer guy now let's go yeah. i have that special healer gear that not that many people have oh, uh-huh. yeah you know and uh yeah it was a it was a wild ride um so you became like the healer and you guys started plowing through forsaken thicket how long did it take you guys to clear it to get Sabbath down? A long time. Uh-huh. I think we took like uh, a week of raiding three to five hours a day to kill VG for the first time. <laughs> um, I think it took us another two weeks to kill Gorzabal. Uh-huh. Uh, although less hours spent. <laughs> right. And Sabbath, uh, probably another two weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Sabbath was punishing. Yeah, play ball yeah, yeah, and, and but the, we were—I mean, you've got to understand, right? We were very casual players. A lot of the a, a lot of the players in that group afterwards decided raids weren't for them. Hmm. Like we had, we had kind of the split that a lot of statics that start raiding together, I think, have is like where we had like five people who were really into it and who were like, "Hey, you know, let's optimize this, let's get better at this," mm-hmm. and I had like five people who, you know weren't really as excited about it you know were a little bit more nervous about uh you know didn't want to hold the team back and felt bad when they did hmm. um and uh and just overall didn't enjoy raiding as much and that kind of leads to that divide where one half of the group wants to keep raiding with that focus on performance and the other group they really just want to hang you know mm-hmm. um, they want more of a social experience that's a little more relaxed yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And, and and raids like progging raids to some extent um that can lead to frustration, right? Mm. Can lead to frustration if you have a couple of friends who don't really take it as seriously, or like who, I don't know, who, who, you know, once you have that, once you have those two or three people who act like there's other two or three people holding the group back, then it, you know, leads to this kind of 
oh yeah unsocial uh yeah yeah split, and it's it's, it's very different than like a real world like 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 approaching a work problem would be because in a work problem everyone's just trying to get the problem done you kind of have a basic shared set of assumptions like okay we do this hour nine to five we don't we don't do it at home or you have a workplace that's like expects you to just be like working on the problem yeah, nights yeah. and weekends but that's like that that is that workplace then, whereas we had different reasons to go into it nowadays if you find a rate group you find that rate group because you want to rate so like right. like if you go into a, a rate with a group that of people you already know that's not necessarily a given right so like problems like that can yeah. emerge well I the mean, community has sorted like itself drama, out over time right, right? you are right yeah. the community sorted itself you eventually, out you, you go what what you play what you want to play right mm -hmm. like um nobody has to rate and um, nobody has to not write in a way, right? So mm -hmm. it only makes sense. We, like, I'm still in contact with a lot of these people. I still, you know, so one particular person that actually later end, ended up starting to stream at the, around the same time that I started to stream. We kind of like reconnected through through streaming. Mm -hmm. We're like, hey, I know you from my static back in the day. You yeah, know? yeah. That was really fun. Word. So it's, it's not like, you know, friendships are gone. It's just like, hey, we have kind of different goals. Uh, do you even enjoy raiding with us? And uh, doesn't it just make more sense to, you know, kind of, kind of swap things up, I guess. What do you think, what do you think those people who sorted themselves out of the raiding scene early on think about raids and raid content now? Um, well, I mean, the particular people I know, I think just, it just wasn't for them, right? Like they just, didn't really enjoy it as much. I think most people later dabbled in raids every now and then, mm -hmm. but like with a very uh, kind of, we're really just doing it for the fun kind of mindset. No mm -hmm. pressure at all. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's like, that's not something I condemn really. Right. Like if, if people don't like raiding, that's cool. I, I absolutely see why people wouldn't like raiding. The same reason people wouldn't like Dark Souls. Like some right. people fucking enjoy getting killed a million times by the same boss. Right. <laughs> some people just don't, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so the same reason that maybe I don't like a food that somebody else wouldn't like, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at somebody for that. It's just, I think that's just a matter of preference. Um, but at the same time, I think we always like very much respected each other and um, the the gameplay that we pursue, kind of like, like I think uh, the people at least that I know uh, from back then who decided they didn't like to raid anymore. They they understood why we wanted to raid, right? They understood. Mm -hmm the appeal to us as much as I understand why it didn't appeal to them. Right? Mm -hmm. It was always very, at least the people I know, I know that there's a lot of people who don't understand in the community. There's a lot of where the, the old uh, toxic versus casual debates came from. Most yeah. people who didn't quite understand that. And, uh, but we, we've always, I mean, we've been friends, right? So Word. we had that understanding for each other. Okay. So uh, what then came next for you in terms of writing after kind of figuring out, hey, here's what's going on. The, uh, my static's going to kind of sort itself out into people who want to keep writing people who don't. Like Wing 2 release. Uh, take us back to that moment. Uh, wing 2 was the wing where I first officially joined LN. I had just joined them. I was, mm -hmm. um, I just barely managed to. It was the first time I did any sort of serious PvE guild that would do like a trial with you that would make sure you know your stuff before they let you join. We actually have requirements to join mm -hmm. uh, in terms of your gameplay. And um, I really, they, they, they let me in because they were just nice because they didn't have Druid players at the time. And they were like, hey, here's a player who at least wants to. That's <laughs> that a healer karma. And, 
and a lot of i mean a lot of the trials back then were still like the old tryhard guilds they were all centered around dungeons and i didn't really care for dungeons as much so i mm-hmm. I, I joined them i said hey i want to raid and i want to be a really good druid player and i've at that time i've started with other teams i'd already done a bunch of who were in very good guilds back then mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a, a group of friends um I, I don't know if you know these guild tags but like back then guilds like vc mm-hmm. uh like one or two people who were in in, in i think that was before QT became big, I think. I think VC was like the guild that like a lot of people who were later in QT came out of. Okay. Um, so like I got my first contacts with like tryhard players, the tryhard gameplay kind of, and, and I got better as a player to the point where I was kind of able to apply to a LEN. Um, and um, well, I, I was terrible though. I wasn't a good player. They let me in because, uh, you know, because they had hopes for me, I guess. <laughs> They saw the raw stuff. I think it worked out. Did they need a druid? uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly what I said before, right? Like a lot of guilds just didn't have those dedicated druid players. If you have a guild with like 20 players and only one of them is a really good druid, at the time you needed kind of two druids because everything was five man Mm -hmm. in a 10-man squad. Um, You you wanted to have multiple of each class. And um, so they they were kind of looking for what what I wanted to become, and uh, I guess put that faith in me that I could become that, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I think it I think it worked out. I, I I'd like to claim that it worked out. I seems like it did. So like, and then there was a, and you were in the middle of this golden age of raiding back in early 2016, when the raid wings just kept coming and kept coming. Living World season three for uh, was announced by ArenaNet and it came into the game. They had a, a change in communication posture from the company where they stopped telling us as much about what they were trying to do and started just putting stuff out there. I think the, the community sentiment was, was pretty about as high as I remember it ever being around mid-2016, late-2016. But the raid releases did start to slow down. Um, and I watched the communities around raiding start to feel a little bit uncertain. Um, can you talk about what the late rating scene eventually turned into for Guild Wars, in your experience? Well, um, uh, you're, you're completely right. They did change a lot of their um, initial kind of uh, plans. Um, they they slowed down the rate release cadence more and more. Every, like, I think the first time it like really noticeably slowed down was between Wing 3 and 4. I mm-hmm. think that was the first time we had like a nine-month, I think, uh, uh, cadence. Uh, and that's what they kind of stuck to afterwards. And before, of course, everybody was excited for like having at least three raids a year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so having that massive slowdown really, nine months is a long time to wait for a raid. A long time. Right. Even in a game like Guild Wars 2 that actually retains all of all of its old content, right? That's something that's unique in Guild Wars 2 compared to other games. Other games mm-hmm. replace old content with new content. Guild Wars 2 doesn't do that. Uh, so, like in general, their raids have more longevity than other raid games would. Mm-hmm. But still, like nine months is just a really, really long time. And raiders would continuously stop playing. Right, the raid, the raid scene just kept shrinking. One mm-hmm. guild would leave after another. It was really hard to keep players engaged. So um, you'd have like a large fluctuation of players, which was which made it really hard for a guild like ours to keep the the skill level kind of where we wanted it to be. Right, mm-hmm. if you're like a gameplay driven guild, then it was difficult to fight because people would just leave. People would Not join you. They'd no guild, no player ever joins a tryhard guild and is already on that level, right? Like every player kind of evolves in these guilds. So 
uh, people will join for a couple months. Uh, you you do some cool stuff, and by the time where you were actually at a level where you really were at the top of your game, two or three of these players would leave again because mm-hmm. well, we're fucking bored. Like yeah, I don't I don't want to do VG again. They got to the top of the mountain <laughs> and they didn't like the view. Yeah, well, you know, you can only do the same thing so many times, yeah. right? Before okay. it gets boring. And the Guild Wars 2 raid scene really drives that to the to the extreme, right? Yeah. Uh, people still do speedruns of VG. That boss is literally five to six years old. Right? VG like, is a yeah. fun boss. I think it's one of the yeah. most fun for me. I've... I I like it too. I love it. It's a great boss. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. I've, I've, I have, I think, done like over the years at least like 10 different record runs on that boss. Right. I've that boss thousands of times at this point. So even if it's a fun boss... You know, at some point, yeah, you want another fun boss. Yeah, you need more to chew on, and this is, I think, yeah, uh, so. also perhaps a general problem that ArenaNet um, has tried to solve over the years about how to how to keep its players happily busy. Um, and this, that that that's a whole side topic. I've talked to Teapot about. It. I talked to Inks about it a little bit too. Um, the idea of uh, how much of the development efforts appear to be focused on content that's not really super repeatable or super group focused which of course is exactly what you want as a raider you want compelling interesting difficult rate uh, group content that is repeatable part of repeatability in other mmos can come from uh gear right um yeah, that, people that, i mean people still go back and do that. molten core in in uh, in wow classic after they've progressed wings past it uh because there's certain it's gear drops you still want issue. You can have so many types of repeatable types of content, right? That's not down to PvE, to raids or something. That can be PvP. World versus World is to some extent repeatable content. Uh, PvP is repeatable content. Um, Raids are repeatable content. More to an extent than I would say PvP is. Um, Like, you you feel the constraints of no new content earlier than you do in in PvP, sort of. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, other game modes are more driven by the other players. players. right? People are your content. And people are always changing in a PvP scene. So, exactly. so yeah, that's like the general, right? Like, <laughs> of, of course, if you nowadays, if you say that to a world versus worlder, they'll say like, well, <laughs> it still fucking sucks that we get ignored all the time, right? But, you know, World versus world um, is the, which... uh, the dirty joke of, of ArenaNet and Guild Wars 2. Um, it's been, um, I, I, I actually need to get a proper world v. world, like uh, someone who knows the, the deep lore of world v. world on this show at some point, because uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a story it's that needs so to be good. told. It's, a, not, not, it's not a happy one. I'll say this as a raider. I'll say this as somebody who doesn't play World vs. World actively, but World vs. World is probably the thing it was to just the best and is the most unique of in the entire MMO genre mm-hmm. and is probably the one that could really make them the most successful if they actually focus on it. Right. It's like, it's it's kind of weird to see them not do it, but that's a whole different topic, right? Like, yes. I really say that you'd better talk to somebody who's actually experienced at World vs. World yeah. about that. I agree with your assessment, 100%. I want to I want to kind of go back to something you said before, right? You said that they uh, after Heart of Thorns they changed their um, their course kind of right, and we talked about how uh, what a lot of players perceive to be the big content route after Heart of Thorns, uh, other players was the golden times of raids, right? You mm-hmm. can see that there was a really big divide between raiders and non-raiders. Between um, a lot of people have you know seen um, it was to as that casual getaway from games like WoW mm-hmm. uh, and really hated raids from the get-go, right? A lot of players just didn't go into raids 
at all. And mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people were really, really pissed about all of these development efforts going into uh, into raids. And a lot of people were really, really pissed at Heart of Thorns because um, back then ArenaNet did a lot, a lot, a lot of teasering and hyping um, and then kind of disappointing. And um, I think that's probably like this post Heart of Thorns uh, uh, um, part era of the game kind of that led to a lot of very long lasting design decisions, you know, mm -hmm. like, like that, like that's when they stopped announcing stuff before it was done. Mm -hmm. That was because of feedback they got after the Heart of Thorns era, because they had hyped people up for uh, legendary armor, for a new set of legendaries yeah. with Heart of Thorns, right? Uh, legendary weapons. And they couldn't live on all of this. And the, the, the lashback they got for that was so bad that they completely changed their, their uh, philosophy about this mm -hmm. and stopped communicating this stuff. You know, uh, uh, MO back then, he, he was like the one who became famous for the uh, we don't talk about it until it's shippable right. like attitude and Michael um, Bryan, such a big change who at that... the time was the reading at president and when the the yeah, game director uh, when that. Colin Johansson uh, moved out from ArenaNet, Mike kind of slid back into that role uh, as well yeah, as yeah. being the president he's not in that spot now but yeah that marked uh, as you say a big change in what we heard from the studio and I also think to some extent what we saw too and I think because yeah for whatever reason, and I don't know why, um, I have my suspicions, as I'm sure you do, for whatever reason, that was their most prolific time from a development perspective. They were putting out the most stuff between the two expansions. We saw a whole living world release that fleshed out the mastery system, or at least tried to. Um, at the same time, they were building an expansion in the background. They were hitting a very consistent cadence with their living world releases, which were doing something new. Right, where they are bringing in new maps each time, which is something they weren't doing in season two. Like, yeah, yeah, they um, kind of like they had evolved their uh, living world system to that point, right, where they wanted to make it something that, especially at the time, but lasting. Mm -hmm. um, but you can also see that, like, um, that was effort that you know they took away from other parts of the game, right? Like, they saw that they got a lot of lashback for focusing on raids and instance content rather than open world and maps and explorable content. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, they yeah, you saw more and more of these, you saw much more effort, incredibly much more effort going to these open world maps, as in we actually create huge new maps with like new textures, new models, event chains, ambient dialogue, you know. Um, yeah. crazy amount of open world um, and, and less and less raids, right? So you mm -hmm. saw these raiders that had started to really fall in love with the game mode, you know, get more and more sad about that, you know, like as as you kind of felt like content was shifting back towards that side. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is, is we sus we're suspicious at least, right? That that's because of the post-HOT kind of feedback that the studio got um, yeah. to focus on this, that this is what people wanted and probably still do to some extent mm -hmm. do you have a perspective on like i mean i i hate to circle jerk around this so much i feel like i spend so much time talking about this but on the the way that the community kind of communicated with itself during that time i think one of the, the worst things that happened to guild wars 2 as a result of these perceived content droughts um especially when they're mode specific like we called out world versus world there was a golden age of rage, which which means there was a dark ages of rage too. Uh, I mean, we're in it now. Um, 
Uh, so like, yeah. so if people of course get pissed at the, at the, at the developer when this happens. And it seems like that upset gets transferred over to players who enjoy other content when that happens as well. And we start to see the, the idea of the toxic elitist, which, which teapot and, you know, you like, I, I, I think that we, that a large part of the Guild Wars 2 community has done a great job of turning the, the idea of the toxic elitist on its head by taking on the name, but then being the opposite of toxic. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we are toxic too. As sometimes. you were saying. Well, yeah. Um, I, I think that but the word... not generally, I'd say. Well, think you, you guys care. Like, yeah. it's it's kind of like, like, like with brothers. Like, if you care about someone, just because you get into an argument with them doesn't mean you don't care about them or care about the thing. Yeah. Um, and there are always toxic individuals in every scene, right? Like if you go into right. Warbusters world and you you run the wrong gear, you'll you'll encounter toxic individuals as well, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you go into open world and you kill the South Vine too fast, uh, you'll most certainly encounter some very toxic individuals as well in the open world. Um, oh. So, um, which of course always kind of coined the image, right? Somebody, some somebody somewhere out there always makes that experience with that one toxic raider that flames them, and they feel really sad, and they go to Reddit about it, and then you know people kind of bandwagon on it. That's uh, which kind of I guess plays into your point about the the feedback thing, right? As people get mad about their particular part of the game, um, and they give feedback based on it that maybe isn't as well thought out, mm -hmm. and and Anet, especially at the time, I think Anet was just very susceptible to feedback because it was their first expansion. They hadn't really made a lot of experiences with those concepts that they had been throwing into the game. Um, and another part that's like to get away from race for a second. Sure. Um, open world meta events, meta chains, and maps that are based on metas. That's something that stopped because of the. Heart of Thorns, post Heart of Thorns feedback loop was That's people so said, I fucking hate it, dude. And that was based on on things that they actually fixed in the game. Like a lot yeah. of this negative feedback came from uh, waypoints being unapproachable until you were like really deep into the. I don't know if you remember this on on, on Verdant Brink on the top left of the map. If you yeah. have like the map from your uh, mental image, maybe then. Um, that was always contested. You could never get there because you only oh, right. uh, kind of freeze it up. And, and that was something that really annoyed a lot of people. Hmm. But they fixed it just by saying, okay, we just don't make that contested all the time. Yeah. But the feedback that they got still, like that this was one of the sparks that made people hate the meta event things. So even though they were able to fix it, right, they got the feedback, we hate meta yeah. events. And kind of translate it into that okay let's not do as many meta events anymore yeah and this you know is what i mean like yeah i know exactly what you yeah. mean like so the, the the saying that that i hear and that i like to remind, remind myself of is that players know what's wrong but they don't know how to fix the problem right yeah. and so players are going to do what players are going to do they're going to complain about hey i'm not getting enough content hey like this this is supposed to be an anti-mmo this doesn't feel very anti-mmo to me when I, I can't get around the map easily in in the new expansion zones, the Heart of Thorns, um, these metas are really punishing, and I have to block out two hours of my day to do them. It doesn't feel very anti MMO to me. And so I read in it. In many ways, it felt to me, and and I I like this because I'm an old school MMO guy. Like I played I played WoW vanilla. I read a fuck. I, I led a fucking forty man raid guild in WoW vanilla. Mm -hmm. Like. Um, nice. during my college days, you know, back in, in the ancient days of yore. <laughs> and um, I, I stopped playing that because I didn't have enough time in my life 
Like it, it was not a good use of my time to continue to do that. It's time consuming. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is a bigger story around that. that I don't need to tell, but um, I stopped. So I to say I stopped playing and then Guild Wars was um, honestly the only reason I got back, I got back into MMOs is because of my wife. So uh, oh, nice. I was looking That's for work and I live. Awesome. Yeah. I, I live near, nearby um, ArenaNet. Um, and so oh, okay. I, they had a job that looked like it'd be a good fit for me. So I applied. And when I did that, I was like, Oh, let me look into the game, you know, just in, because I played Guild Wars 1, um, mm -hmm. just in case, like, this becomes a thing. Maybe I could, maybe it'd be helpful to be familiar with it. And then, uh, so I was watching a video, and then my wife was looking over my shoulder. And she, not a gamer, not a gamer at all. I um, was like, that looks really cool. Well, that run on my laptop, and she had, like, a like a 2012 MacBook. And I was, That's like, cool. I was simultaneously excited and also, like, oh, God, it's not going to run, is it? But it did. We I made it run on her laptop. Like I got her boot with boot camp set up and everything. And because um, the Mac client wasn't that great at that time. And for oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, for like that whole year leading up to Heart of Thorns, she and I played Guild Wars like every day. And she was uh, a complete casual. Didn't know how to do this. She didn't know the stats. Like she didn't. I, I made her build for her. I told her her rotations. Um, and you know, that was me for the longest time. For the longest time, I was just like, I didn't know my stats when I did dungeons. Yeah, I'm honest. And I think that there's a certain beauty in that too, like the anti MMO experience of, I'm I'm in the world. I'm not playing a game. I'm in the world. Um, I absolutely understand that. I totally, I have 100% respect for people who play the game for exactly that reason. Mm -hmm. I I've played the game for that reason myself. Like. I guess just like I, I personally eventually like found that I just really enjoy this other side of the game. Like mm -hmm. that this is something that probably Oh, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Is um if you play a video game for that kind of immersing in the world and um community, right? Playing with uh -huh. community, then Guild Wars 2 isn't that unique. Every MMO has that to some extent. Every uh -huh. World of Warcraft arguably does it better. Uh -huh. And Final Fantasy arguably does it better in places. And um, so I always, you know, if if I get if 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 I become mean about this, okay, I'm gonna say that that's something that isn't even unique to to the game itself. That's mm -hmm. not even really a selling point because I could argue that every game could give you that experience. Mm -hmm. It's fun with maybe friends, you just right, yeah. Because if you start playing a game like this for that reason, whether you play a Silvari kind of plan type and you like that, or whether you play a high elf or something. Um, you know, every game kind of has the similar kind of appeals and it's, you know, so what makes the game truly unique? And then going from that kind of argumentation, what should you as the game studio maybe focus on? Right. Should you focus on that thing that every game does or should you focus on the game that makes you stand out sort of mm -hmm. in a way, right? And I think that's where, that's kind of where a lot of like um, frustrations with that part of the uh, games community comes from right that really like the game for the combat because the combat is truly unique the combat is mm -hmm. truly better than any other mmo out there mm -hmm. um and the build system is incredibly unique uh, and really really good um so when people look at it from that perspective right people that, that that's where a lot of salt i think originates is like why aren't you focusing on this this is what your game just does so well if you focused on this you could stand out mm -hmm. but why do you focus on this thing that everybody does and that everybody also probably does better than you story um, content single player stuff yeah yeah is other games do awesome story other games have awesome immersion factors right mm -hmm. um yeah 
talking about so the, I think that's just, just where, yeah. the, the MMO market. It, it seems yeah. like almost like other games have kind of eaten the lunch of 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 of, of ArenaNet by poaching some of well, their anti MMO ideas. That's where a lot of like wrong thoughts come from as well. Okay, I want to okay. specify it like this because I think it is it 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 isn't really a correct thought, right? There's no real uh, there's no real um, like one type of content is better than the other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's also subjective. You can't really say that, right? It's just that's why I want to like make <laughs> kind of differentiate here, okay. and because I don't want people, you know, I don't want to say that. Uh, that's why combat is what everything should be focused on. And if you don't play Guild Wars 2 for the combat, you're a horrible person and you play the game for the wrong reason to go play something else. That's not what I want to say, right? Mm-hmm. So just, but that's, I think, where that thought comes from. That's yeah. where... It's one um, thing that Guild Wars yeah. 2 objectively stands out with. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and that's where a lot of and it's a great example when that doesn't get worked on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to add to that, I'll to say that it's one example of something that is so good exactly. but so seemingly neglected by where the where the where the content is predominantly focused on content that is single player or multiplayer adjacent where you're playing next to strangers who are you're not really coordinating or talking to it's just other a bodies on has, the field and that a game that takes every opportunity to make you not engage in its combat, right? A game right. that will take every opportunity in the open world to to rather let you pick up a Chazuka that has two skills, um, and then have a bunch of NPCs rescue every time you you drop, yeah. um, than make you interact with its combat system in a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it almost seems um, like Arena is, um, like they, like they don't like their own combat system. Like they would have preferred something that was simpler and more. It's it's odd. Yeah, it it is very com- it, it it is a complex combat system. You see that a lot of new players. It 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 unarguably is a complex combat system, and mm-hmm. that can turn off a lot of like casual players, right? That can make it difficult to balance the game. I think there was a there's a really interesting series of videos that Matthew Medina made after he initially mm-hmm. left uh, Anet for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he kind of played through the game and he talked about the design choices, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's on YouTube, actually. It's super interesting. Big I find that. Barefoot um, Matthew, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, how did he call it? Behind the game? Behind, he, he had like a catchy name for it, too. Okay. It's, it's a cool series. Um, anyway, but he like talks about how, you know, how do you balance, uh, I think the particular episode he played was like in season two, there's like an episode where you play in the, um, um, in the Dermot Priory, and you go into the library kind of for the first time. Uh-huh. Um, and there's like this event where you play with Turai Osa, right? Right. With like ghost Turai Osa, and you fight against like ghost invasions of yeah, I remember that sandworms. Event. You might remember that. that. That was one that I think was kind of difficult as well. I think that was perceived as kind of a difficult story mission yeah. as well. For I don't remember it being hard. But then again, I was nerded yeah, out the combat system. Like I know, remember so. dying on it when I first played it, honestly. Uh, and, and Matthew Medina kind of explicitly <laughs> talked about this, like how hard can I make this for players? How difficult can I make this story mission for players? And how can I give them aids? You know, how can I give them something to aid them in there? Mm-hmm. You know, in the in in that kind of battle because this isn't a fight that is in, that is uh, supposed to be difficult. This is a fight that is supposed to be immersive. This is a fight that's supposed to carry you through the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like this fight just isn't supposed to be difficult, right? Um, Makes sense. And then they keep, they, but they keep focusing on the fights that aren't supposed to be difficult, right? What fights are supposed to be difficult? Is an open world fight supposed to be difficult? A world boss? Because I'd argue right. 
more and more, I think they're more and more going to the path where they say, no, it shouldn't be difficult. Uh, because every time they they take everything that made open world bosses difficult in the past, they've taken that out. Right. Modern open world bosses don't really require a lot of communications anymore. They tend to be rather streamlined. Yeah. Um, and even the old ones that were hard have become easy over time as the community. Yeah. Like I mean, Triple Trouble still requires a lot of communication. Triple that's true. Trouble requires that one you out. to make three squads that communicate with each, with each other. Even Tavria, to some extent, does this, right? They have mm -hmm. to kind of talk about who kills what. It's just become so easy because of power creep, right? right. Um, but back when Tavria launched, people still communicated. When the Chuck Garen came out for the first time, uh, it took people a couple of weeks to kill that, right? Because mm -hmm. it was so difficult. Um, it was also tuned much then. more high, uh, like tuned a lot more difficult yeah, when it yeah, first came out, right? It. They, they nerfed, nerfed it. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But back then you had these open world specialized guilds that would actually set up events and they'd like, uh, you know, they'd go through all the map chats before. Right. They'd be like, tonight our guild... We, Communities we, form we, we around meet. the hard stuff. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, th that guild has, that was actually kind of a big deal when that guild uh, said, hey, we don't have the, like, we're actually dissolving now. We are that as that big open world community guild that really isn't part of the whole toxic elitism kind of um, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, stereotype, I would mm -hmm. say, right? Where even they say, "Hey, even our content is so is so bleak, is so washed out, easy at this point that it's just not appealing to people. Like they don't require our communications anymore that we offered as a guild, and this makes us as a guild die out, kind of, right? Yeah, this makes our community actually die out, is because that's gone. And yeah. uh, I did a long t uh, chain tweet about Trakar when that came out, where I kind of went into detail on that why. I think it's actually a huge, a huge loss to the game that they stopped doing these kind of macro mechanic bosses where you had to split up into massive squads and have this mm -hmm. map overview kind of strategic uh, commanding going on, right? Because mm -hmm. that sadly is nothing anymore. And that was something that truly made Guild Wars 2's open world stand out. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. It's all, it, it all leans into the transition towards easier content, right? And um, that, that, yeah. that's what we were talking about before, right? This, they're yeah. kind of pushing every kind of game mode closer to that, I would say. Yeah. The game, um, like, if, if I could summarize, like, just an idea that kind of maybe speaks to what you were just talking about, about this phenomenon of things being easy over time, is it seems like Arena and Guild Wars, over time, has decided to zero in on what I imagine they think their their core, their core audience is, which is indiv individual players who don't want a community, who don't want a guild. And so content is designed with the, with the idea in mind that these players don't have a guild to coordinate with, don't have people to do this content with. And I'm not sure, like, like the chicken and the egg there. Like, did they do this because they realized that's who's playing their game? Or did they do this because yeah. they, they said that that's what we want, that's the anti-MMO? It it's a single-player, multiplayer experience. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what you it's think really about nice that. That's a way that you put that. Like, what is the chicken? What is the egg? It's really difficult to say, right? Uh -huh. Like, you could say that a lot of it comes from feedback on the players, you know, maybe the entire market going more casual, right? More casual gamers, you know, the the, the whole um, demography that MMOs used to appeal to has at this point sort of grown up and has to have jobs. And, you know, therefore, the game has to be more casual friendly in a way, right? Um, like, you could probably kind of argue from that perspective, saying that it's just, you know, you don't want to force people into the same time investments anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, like the, the game, they, they are claiming to be the number one community game in a way, right? Like they are talking about how they love to form communities. That's all MMOs are about, right? Um, in yeah. a way, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, so they it's still interesting. do, but they still design, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of a paradox almost. Yeah. You have to call it like... It's- one of the other game communities that I'm kind of hooked in with is a game called Planet Side Two. I'm not sure if you know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a massive, name. P- yeah, it, it's a massive PvP only MMO shooter. Um, okay. Think of it as uh, I don't know if you know. Are you kind familiar like with Destiny, Battlefield no franchise? Would... Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about actually think about World versus World, but like five times bigger and all first person shooter. It's kind of like that, um, and you have. Um, you have planes and tanks and and armor and you have infantry bases and outside objectives and all the good stuff you can imagine. But the, the, the problem that game has is that because it's a massive open continent where anyone can play anywhere, there's no matchmaking. So all the good players are playing in the same space as all the bad players are playing in. And because it's a big, complicated game where anyone can be anywhere, um, it's very hard for a new player to figure out what the hell to do, how the hell not to get farmed. How to die over and over again and how to enjoy the game and the thing i've been like like worrying at this idea is why doesn't this game planet side be honest with people outside the game about what they can expect why doesn't it market itself as an actual hardcore game to say hey you come here to die log into this game if you want to get farmed because if you because if you don't get good that's what's going to happen and if you message that correctly you'll attract the right people and people will know how to enjoy your game Look like Escape from Tarkov. This is a game that does this beautifully. Their new player experience is brutal as shit. Like it'll 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 destroy a person who's not got their shit together, right? It's not fun. It's not easy. But the game is massively successful because it makes that clear to you from the get-go what to expect. And I, I think I'm seeing something similar with with Guild Wars, where maybe like go back to Heart of Thorns and maybe they they thought that they violated that that promise to players say we told people players thought we told people this was an anti-mmo i guess this sounds this seems so revelatory to me because i'm such a i wanted the game to go in the direction that release heart of thorns was going like that's what i wanted from guild wars i wanted i wanted a hard open world where i felt threatened i wanted raids to come out three to four times a year like I, i wanted the game to to continue to challenge because without the challenge, for someone who actually engages with the game systems, without the challenge, it's it's not a game worth playing. And that's yeah, borne out it, for it, the it, people who like that stuff. Challenge is a long-term driver. It's, it's a long-term engagement factor in a game. It's like if a game can continue to challenge you, then, you know, uh, you, you can play a game for a long time for your guild and for your friends. And once these friends stop and nothing else holds you in the game, you'll probably quit the game, right? Playing for um, your friends, though, is weak, um, don't you think? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I'm, I I'm sorry. I don't mean it's a sign of personal weakness. I mean, like, if the only reason you're you're, you're experiencing something is for the social part of it, you're it's weak. Toxic, dude. You're toxic. <laughs> I'm toxic as you shit. You just called so many good players out there weak. I am toxic and proud of it. All of these people got to know this about me, okay? So, nice. no. Nice. But what, what I'm saying is that um, if the only reason you're having an experience for the social thing that experience can be almost anything. I can be walking down the street and have a lovely social experience. I can be playing Among Us and have a social experience. Yeah. <laughs> Merrick unsubscribed. 
<laughs> See you later, non toxics. Just kidding. Um, He's freaking toxic himself. <laughs> he puts this crap of gameplay on other people. If yeah. that's not toxic, then it's, I don't know. Toxic has been rebranded to delusional, right? Delusional elitist. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, so, and now I forgot the rant I was going on. Boomer brain set. Sorry, <laughs> got sidetracked. No, you were talking about uh, what we were kind of hinting at before, right? Just like um, mm -hmm. that, um, um, you you can have that experience anywhere. You can go down yes. the sidewalk and have a social uh, interaction that is fun. You right. can play a two D platformer that has that kind of social interaction. It doesn't matter whether you do it in an MMO, right? So, yeah. Well, it. Yes, that, that that's it. That's it. And I'm I'm also giggling at Merrick, who's who's goggling in the chat. <laughs> I still about... think it's a perfectly valid reason, right? Yeah. If people play for friends, it, it, like MMOs, that is uh, at the end of the game. What is making MMOs unique compared mm -hmm. to RPGs? It's the MMO part, right? Like that's why I play. Otherwise, it, it would just be yeah. an RPG, right? So it, it is like the social construct around it is a is a huge part of it. The huge part of the appeal. Um, but at the same time, it's 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 a video game. It's not a it's not a movie that's only story driven. It's mm -hmm. not a, um, yeah, it's, uh, you it's know, not a passive it's, it's experience. Not just about, it's characterized it's not just by player agency, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. all of it kind of, right? It's about playing a game together, right? Yeah. So you can't ignore the together part, but you also can't really ignore the playing the game part. It's right. kind of got to work together in a way. Yeah. You kind of so, have to have both. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I would love it if, like, I, I remember when ArenaNet looked at, um, the personal story and they made uh, you remember when the when the personal story for uh for the zaitan kill it w was a dungeon and you had to do a dungeon mm -hmm, mm -hmm. story thought, dungeons a raw story yeah i i, I like that when it because i liked that at the time that, that they did it because i felt like it was guiding players into the way that they should be playing the game it's like okay like you've you you've uh, this is the end of the story this is going to be a, like a quick introduction to end game you should be doing group content that's what we want you to do they went yeah. back on that and they made it they made it so you can play it solo and uh i don't know like if you make it possible uh, I, I for players to play by themselves all the content that they want to approach then they won't form a group I, I think with with mmos the reason that communities form is because of friction communities form to solve a problem right raids are too hard to pug so you need raiding guilds or stat or statics Discord, I think, they, kind of they, they eats, eats the they, lunch of... Well, right. If they're not hard enough anymore, then they, that, that cause goes away. <laughs> but they used to be. There was, was a time where people actually, yeah. you know... And if they introduce yeah. changes to... like, If they put out a new raid, like say Wing 9 comes out, and it's so different that you can't apply the usual raiding strats to it. Like say it's 15 or 20 man, and the scale is totally different. Then suddenly you enter a period that looks kind of like what the dungeon to raid transition looked like, where people are like, "What do I do here?" And and let's say they put in a, a spec with the next expansion that is purely tanking, and they have threat mechanics that are enjoyable. Like they let, let's say they they roll all the way back to the Holy Trinity. They're not going to do this. Just going to say that, but yeah, very unlikely. Um, you know, hypothetically, if they were able to agitate the format to the point where people had to start thinking again, then people would want to combine yeah. their brain power, but. If you just keep printing out more of the same, more of the same, different colors of chess boards, you know, it's still chess. It's still the same game. And chess is not a great comparison because chess actually is pretty fresh. Um, on a side note, I actually do think that Guild Wars 2 will do very well to focus on, while not going fully Trinity, but uh -huh. to implement a lot more mechanics that are kind of Trinity based. They mm -hmm. have a soft Trinity and that soft Trinity is awesome. 
they could do a lot more with that. They could do a lot more mechanics that always target somebody who has a certain amount of healing stats, you know, right. mechanics that always target somebody who has a certain toughness, you know, mm. they could play around with that a lot more. That's on a side note. I think um, you're tackling a really, really interesting point here, uh, a point that I've been thinking about a lot recently. And um, that also is a very big point about my opinions that kind of led to me making that tweet about strike missions, which is the reason why you eventually invited me here. Uh, you're what a beautiful transition, transition, by the way. Oh, man. Um, I got to check yeah. on that. <laughs> um, 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 where, where was strikes. I? No, I've strikes. Strikes. No, the point yeah. w- um, which led to you making the tweet about strike missions. And the, the that, tweet that which said... What you said earlier is that um, that people are led from from story into dungeons through a raw story. Mm-hmm. That that was a transition from one type of content into another type of content. Um that was supposed to, to to yeah to lead you into what le- would then become your later end game experience, mm-hmm. which would be dungeons, mm-hmm. and it would force you to find a group of people to do a dungeon with, right, mm-hmm. and uh, and get you to interact and to enjoy their content with, um, and this type of leading your player through different types of content is something I think that Guild Wars 2 does incredibly, incredibly badly, and something that I have recently, as a more recent uh, Final Fantasy XIV player, um, experienced in a different game to how it's done really, really well. I think Final Fantasy does it really well, and I I hope people are salty about me talking about Final Fantasy XIV, so I don't want to stress on that too much. It's just like one of these points that really made me see this is something that ArenaNet really could do so much better right. and that is something that is a reason why i am even though i'm not really playing the game as actively anymore i'm looking at strike missions kind of now getting the boot again right yeah. like being that kind of next type of game mode that is being left to to die um and i see what strike missions were supposed to be i see what strike missions could have been and i see it from this perspective of of leading players through your content kind of and and seeing that go away it makes me really, really frustrated that nobody's talking about it because mm-hmm. it's such an important part of the game. It's mm-hmm. such like, um, and leading your like. Um, Rocco, can I interrupt you for a I second? Say? How do I? Say? Remember, yeah, when, yeah, remember when I said before we started that this is a break-friendly podcast? I need like a two-minute break. Want to hold yeah, that no, thought about ahead, strikes, ahead, and then we'll yeah. jump right back into it when I get back. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll give it some some thought where I was going with this. It, sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Make an outline or something. We'll be right back, folks. Be right back, chat. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. We're going in like a pause screen, or yeah, going to a pause screen. The stream okay. can, uh, the chat can still hear you though. Oh, okay, what's up, guys? Okay, we can do. Okay, we can just kind of you know lean back, talk to the guys a little bit. Ah, uh, dude, I can stick my finger so deep up my nose right now. You guys can't even see, dude. Mm, dude, tickling my brain. Holy shit! None of you guys can even see what's going on right now. <sighs> yeah, how are you guys doing today? Hmm? Yeah, chat. You guys all right? Everybody feeling good? You guys ready for the rant? You guys ready for the big rant about to ensue? Oh, dude, I've been preparing for this so many. I've like all my life. I've been preparing for this rant. Ugh. I'm kidding. I'm not gonna be so mean, right? People, are, people always think I'm like I just want to bash arena that, but that's only true to an extent. I try to be constructive today. Today is a constructive day, friends. I'll try to be constructive. No promises, though. <laughs> I want to reapply to a partnership at some point. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I can't see it right now. Let's just say that. I don't see that happening currently. But who knows, you know, maybe if they change 
a lot of things. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah, you think you think Kenta is gonna change all of my long term issues with the game? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Broken. We'll see. We'll see. I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you think about it as well. And uh, you know, chat, give your input. This is very much the kind of podcast where we're mostly talking to each other, right? Uh, but you know, if you guys have an interesting points, uh, po- shoot them in the chat, right? Like, I mean, I am I am reading chat. I just don't uh, always want to interrupt the flow of the conversation. It's a cool podcast. I like this podcast, dude. I love it. This is this feels so podcasty. This is so chill, right? Like it has such a you know. I don't know. This feels like the most podcasty podcast I've been on so far. Is that is that fair to say? Like, I feel like you could listen to this podcast on iTunes. You know, I felt like all the other podcasts I've been on, you wouldn't want to listen to them on iTunes. But this one, you probably could. Very cool. Very cool. The podcastiness level is pretty high. Yeah. I like this stuff, honestly. I like this. I like this. This is a format I really enjoy as like from like the content creator perspective, I guess fucking love being on podcast dude it's fun you don't need a script you don't it's like you have you can have the conversation without all the work that a good youtuber would have to write if i was a good content creator i'd script my videos i'd think about what i say i don't have to do that i just talk shit right i can say whatever you want right and uh uh, deke is a great guy to argue with and then have a conversation with very fun very cool also i think the first time i'm doing like this one-on-one in interview style podcast almost that's cool that's fun should come and hang on our podcast. Yeah, I mean, give me a heads up, Eric, Merrick. If you invite me, I'd, I'd be happy to be a guest on your podcast. Absolutely. <sighs> first set of abandoned content, historically speaking, is ignorance of existing books. They addressed Boneskin at first, but left whispered it is. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll get to that. I'm not even, I'm honestly, I'm not even that mad about the bugs. I am mad about the bugs. That's not my main concern, in a way. You, you'll, you'll hear all about that. We'll be talking about all that. <laughs> that's cool, Mary. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'll be happy to see what that's like, dude. Gotta give that a go. I didn't even know you had a podcast. Oh, having fun? Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, chatting a little bit with chat. Word, word. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah, good to be back. My bladder is lighter and my cup is heavier. <laughs> I mean... I, I, I don't... hope for, for separate reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should have specified, but maybe I'll just leave that up to everyone's imagination. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, so I'm still trying to figure out for these podcasts what what the the how to what the appropriate chat interaction looks like. What the uh, what action looks like? What the appropriate chat interaction looks like. I love to see the chat. Oh, but you know, uh, oh, you know, it's a one-on-one conversation trying to hoop in the chat. I don't know if I hope you all don't feel ignored out there. Oh, they've been telling me how much they hate it, dude. They've been they've <sighs> been telling me about how they hate that chat experience. Rip me. Merrick, Rip me. he went crazy. He was like, dude, Deke is like the most horrible person I know. <laughs> Just straight up flaming. Like he didn't even he didn't care. Deke, he didn't care at all. Merrick, on mine we have Junior reading the chat and occasionally interrupting us to put forth a chat question. She thinks it's good. That's a good idea. I need a I need a Junie for my podcast. No, I think every every podcast can kind of do it their way. I was yeah. actually talking to Chad about this earlier, is that your podcast feels a lot more podcastier than other podcasts I've been on, and that I actually really enjoy that. So, like, I, I kind of like how podcasts can have the different kind of appeal, you know? Like, one maybe interacts with a chat more. Maybe one, you know, has that one-on-one talk that really only if something really relevant is in chat, you know, um, uh, will interrupt 
you know, the chat because you know having too much chat interaction can really interrupt the flow of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. there's probably a good balance. When you say podcast here, what do you mean? I don't know, man. I think what I said earlier is like the it's the first podcast that I'm on that I think I would enjoy listening to on iTunes without video. Huh. Maybe if that maybe I don't know. Yeah. I don't or, know if that puts it. Yeah. Well, that, that that's it's a compliment that I'll, I'll take. So thank you, number one. Like I've, I feel like we could just stop talking about Guilt Was 2 and just keep on, you know, rambling on about life and, yeah. you know. That's the, the idea. World. And it would be, it would just be, you know. That's the hope. Okay. I mean, we were just getting into the topic, though. I put our faces back on. By the way, did on. you tell me that we were going to do two hours? Because, because dude, I, I we've said been edited for almost two hours. I said at like, least two hours. We haven't even started the topic yet. Yeah, this is this is why these <laughs> things go for four hours. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah it, and this is something that I find. It takes a long time to really to really meet somebody to really commune with someone verbally. It takes a long time. Yeah. Um, and I I I have always loved doing that, and the podcast gives me a great vehicle to do it. So I just abuse people and make them stay on the podcast until I you know I allow it, them dude. to leave. I'm, I'm having so much fun right now. Like cool. you, you you've got the like I'm I'm perfectly happy here right now. Great. Raka, drop some Lord of the Rings things. Nobody understands. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I, I I happen to be a huge Lord of the Rings fanatic. Oh, uh, so very often, like, kind of every now and then, I flex my lore knowledge, you know, at people. All right, drop uh, something like, on people us. People will be like, okay, yeah, oh yeah, I really like, I really like Aragorn for being cool. Yeah, I'll be like, yeah, do you even fucking know where he comes from? Do you even know his ancestry? Do you <laughs> even know his tree? <laughs> You're gay. Yeah. You don't know enough yeah, to enjoy you know it. The Adain and, I am the gatekeeper and, and of enjoying Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Dunedain, yeah, if he's you old. If you cannot tell me the story of the Ring of Barahir, then you do not know anything <laughs> about Aragorn, my friend. <laughs> and don't you dare talk to me about him, right? Like, you have not ascended to the levels where we can have a conversation about this kind of stuff. I think I cracked the Silmarillion, but then I was just like, okay, I'm not into this enough. It's a it's a difficult read. It's a... Yeah. The first, it took me like three or four times. I listened to it on audiobook, to to be fair. I didn't actually read it, so that's maybe a little bit almost cheating, but... No, I don't think so. A good four listens. I, I know I, I say, man. To it about four times. As an adult person I, who, like, I have to like get out and walk every day. I have to commute places. I have to work during the day. I say, thank God for audiobooks and thank God for the technology that brings them to us. Yeah. <laughs> or even audio podcasts. Like, I, I have a YouTube, uh, what's it called? Red YouTube Premium subscription. I don't know what it's called. Just so I can yeah, listen to I've... videos with my with my phone locked. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's part of my going to sleep routine. Actually, I listen to audiobooks. It's I found that to be uh, very relaxing. Huh. Uh, you know, kind of you know lets me focus the right kind of way that helps me sleep is when I listen to an audiobook. Okay. And like kind of the trick I personally discovered is that whenever I listen to an audiobook that I don't know yet, then it becomes too exciting. And yeah. Prevents me from going to sleep. Uh huh. So what I do is I listen to the same audiobook over and over and over, and I've listened to the Silmarillion at least. At least fifty times at this point. I can easily imagine um, falling asleep to the Silmarillion. <laughs> yeah, so the Silmarillion and one other book, like, and the Journey to the West. Those are the two books that I've listened to, okay. uh, fifty to a hundred times each. Yeah, just because I listen to it every night for like an hour while I fall asleep. Uh huh. So my go to sleep ritual, I guess. I think that my, I, I don't fall asleep to, to, to audiobooks. I never really tried it. Um, I, I was just, just I'm a big fan of like white noise, like having fans going. But my yeah, wife, yeah, much like my wife loves to be read to when she can't when she can't sleep. Oh, okay. 
And our, our go-to over the years has converged on the James Harriet stories. Are you familiar with those? No, I actually don't know them. Uh, so James, James Harriet is a pseudonym for a mid-20th century um, English um, veterinarian and, 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 uh, and writer who chronicled his experiences mm-hmm. in, in a series of, of short stories all about okay. being a, a vet uh, in Yorkshire, England. And uh, right. there are okay. these charming little stories. And uh, I just open, open up the book, you know, digitally, because, you know, fuck having a real book mm. these days. <laughs> and uh, within a page or two, no, no, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a matter of convenience. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't read a physical book in probably almost 10 years. Um, it's funny because I used, I used to be a huge reader. As a teenager, I, mm. I read literally hundreds of books i was a huge fantasy book nerd actually like had entire shelves filled with them mm-hmm. um, like that was like a real expense to my parents almost right like interesting i had uh, that experience I, too what did you like what did you read oh dude like i don't know real time <laughs> fantasy fantasy mostly fantasy and i was a big fan of historical novels okay. i liked when it like played in medieval times and the story was about you know a young uh, a a farmhand that becomes a knight. Venice, okay. Uh, somehow boarding the ship of uh, of of uh, Columbus or something. Uh-huh. You know, like uh, you know, it was just like a, a novel, uh, uh, like a, I don't know, like an adventure story, historical fiction. Yeah. I found that cool. You know, I loved. I love. I like medieval times. I like the high fantasy show mm-hmm. today. That's you know, if there was a story about you know a cool story about like that had to do with like monks and. Uh, the catholic church and like and 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 knights and shit i love Mm -hmm. that stuff you know Mm -hmm. i found that cool um yeah and has that changed over the years i don't i don't read anymore at all like uh, why (laughs) i i i don't know i don't know i lost touch with it yeah i I think there's a good portion nowadays uh that what you said earlier is like i work daytime i don't i don't want to use my brain Mm -hmm. too much in the evenings when Mm -hmm. i when i chill out uh, I watch I watch Trailer Park Boys. It's, okay, uh, my go-to series nowadays. It's just because I look for I look for stupid TV, right? I I've really started to understand why people watch reality TV, you know, because and what is that? It just lets you turn off, just lets you turn off your brain, sit back, and just you know, really. And it doesn't really matter what you watch anymore, as long as it doesn't make you think too much. Reality TV always agitates my brain. Maybe yeah. I don't work hard enough. I, I don't watch it myself. It's just like it—it it makes me understand why people watch stuff, right? I get it. I get it. Because I, I used to watch that stuff and be like, "Oh, that's stupid. Why?" Yeah. You know. But now yeah. that like I I start to understand. Wait, there's like a whole thing to watching something stupid just because <laughs> you don't have to think. I like stupid stuff yeah, too. Anyway. Like um, it's absurdist stuff. I'm not definitely with Trailer Park Boys, but like you talk about watching content to kind of relax. Um, my wife has watched. I've seen her watch Gilmore Girls. Um, okay, yeah. Probably at least through nine or eight, eight or nine times during the course of our relationship. And when she turns it on, she's almost never looking at the screen. It's just like um, it's all in the background. You don't it, have to think about it, and it just kind of relaxes you, right? It's, it's kind of a baseline. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I've yeah. The, puck boy. the reason I asked you about why things have changed for you over the years of the reading is because I I had the same thing experience you did. Um. When I was a uh, middle school and even into high school, I was a voracious reader. Um, I, I I I read uh, all the Wheel of Time books up until a certain point when when Robert when I caught up to Robert Jordan 
and then I put them away forever and I can never come back because it's way too much, way too much to get caught back up on. Um, yeah. I read a whole bunch of Star Wars books during the old extended universe era. I like over 50 different Star Wars books. I was super into it, super nerdy. Um, and even into adulthood, and it really started to change for me when um, it got easier to talk to people online casually, like from smartphones. So social media was part of it. Another part of it for me too is yeah. <clears throat> when I actually wanted to sit and have an enjoyable, relaxed experience, I wouldn't pull a book out anymore. I would do, I, I would usually play a game or something like that. Um, yeah, no, that's actually true. Yeah, I'd actually say that, I'd say that applied to myself. Yeah. Just, you no, know, technological advancement, kind of different entertainment media. Like I didn't have a, I mean, I didn't have a TV for the longest time. Mm. I always had to like struggle with having a computer even in a, a, when I was a teenager. I like, right. always had to kind of fight my dad about uh, how much time I can spend on that, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and as that, you know, evolves, you know, like you'd rather watch a movie than read a book, rather listen to an audiobook than read a book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess also like as I started, you know, studying and shit, like you'd, you'd read more less out of a, as a fun thing to do and more as like a work thing to do. Yeah. Um. Which is just, yeah, reading is just, I think, like, tangibly a little bit more, uh, not, I don't want to say difficult, right? I don't want to sound like <laughs> like reading is hard, right? But, like, you have, like, it has a stress on your eyes, you know, like, you need certain lighting, you know. It's, it's more it's, active it's, compared yeah, to watching more, a TV show or a movie. Yeah, um, exactly. It has less of the, I can just turn off my brain kind of right. aspect, I guess. Um, yeah, I think probably for me, I've never really given this much thought, but it's kind of interesting me now. Um, and we will, we will go back to Guild Wars 2 Strikes. I'm teasing you all so bad. Uh, we'll probably solve this one with some timestamps in the description <laughs> or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. If anyone wants to do timestamps yeah. for my videos, please hit me up at the DMs. Man, it takes a long time to break down a four-hour podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I bet. Have yeah. fun. Enjoy. <laughs> oh, I always do. Um, but I, I think probably for me, um, I always did. I always read to escape. It was like an escape for me, um, which is why I always gravitated to science fiction fantasy. Um, and the older I got, two things happened. Number one is I went from a point where I was very social during most of my days, like when I'm at school, um, compared to when I became an adult where my days were a lot less social. And I really wanted more social engagement out of my downtime um, compared to when I was a kid where I needed to just like go back to pure introvert mode. Um, and another thing too is I also, um, I started to realize that I wanted to do something that was a little more, um, like creative. And for me being creative around games and being social around games was always a lot easier than trying to be creative and social around books. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the medium definitely like lets you be interactive. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, that's why yeah, I started the yeah. podcast. Honestly, I think that's why I started making content in the first place as well. That's kind of yeah. why I started streaming as well. You know, just the chat interaction, talking mm -hmm. to somebody. My very first streams were me farming winterberries, and I remember talking to one or two people in chat while uh -huh. farming winterberries. Uh -huh. Probably, about yeah. raiding. <laughs> Probably while also farming winterberries. The fun little thing is that like, I was always the raid guy, but I never streamed guild raids. Why? Like barely ever. That would be an incredibly rare occurrence is that I would be kind of allowed to stream guild raids. 
because everybody's so self-aware. Everybody's like, oh, somebody's going to make fun of us. Somebody, if we wipe twice, everybody becomes like super. That's so cute. Know, I know, right? And I'm like, <laughs> dude, people wipe everywhere. Like, I've been in other guilds. I've been in Snow Crows. They fucking wipe. Yeah. I've watched QT streams. They wipe as well, you know. They have bosses where they get hard stuck. You know, just, you know, kind of get out of your little eggshells there, maybe. And, you know, just realize that everybody kind of has these issues and nobody can really make fun of each other for it. Or, you yeah. know, I don't know. Or something I, I would always just pug because people didn't want me to, I don't know, to, to stream Guild Raid. Every now and then it was also because, like, okay, we're working on a record. We don't want to give away our strats yet. Because mm-hmm. that is a thing that people would, you know, try to scout out what you're doing, do it before you or something. Um Oh, you know, there's a big, there's a lot of rivalry go, or used to be going on between uh, speedrun guilds. Mm-hmm. So, like, if people would find out you're working on that boss, then that would be a reason for them to maybe sit down and do that boss as well, just so they would kind of, you uh-huh. know, be able to show you up a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah, bring yeah. out a better kill right after you've done your kill, sort of. Um, didn't happen as much. It's not that bad. Maybe I make it sound much worse than it is, but that you know, that kind of stuff did happen. I was like a I love it. The competition. Actually, there's like a whole period of time where you can really look at the release dates on some of my records and the uh-huh. release dates of a of a different guild's records of similar bosses. Uh huh. And but, see where where people were yeah, and just doing a see, like, counterintelligence. Oh, I wonder what their reason was to retouch that was. I wonder. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, Makes sense. So, yeah, and yeah, I also that, imagine that. So when talking about how you, you tend to be winterberry farming when you started streaming is like when you're when you're raiding and when you're trying to progress and hit a, hit a world record, like it's a very involved task, like you're you're wholly focused on it. Right. So you are actually engaging with the chat very much. Um, I found that too. I like that in Final Fantasy a lot. OK. In Guild Wars, I was at a point where I could have easily pugged and I could have done a guilt raid with without much problem. I could have done that with my eyes closed and I would have been I, I would have done like a good enough rotation to uh-huh. still be very competitive. And uh, I could have talked to chat. No problem. But in playing Final Fantasy, where I have to have like a whole different level of attention on the game, um, I found my streams to become incredibly boring. I actually think that a lot of the reasons why my stream has become a lot smaller since I went to Final Fantasy, isn't even necessarily because I'm not playing... Fu- Obviously, it's because I'm not playing Guild Wars 2 anymore, and that's kind of why people followed me in the yeah. first place. But it's just because whenever I stream Final Fantasy and I'm progging an ultimate, I just can't talk, dude. Like, I, I'm, mm. I'm unable to look at the chat and keep track of what's going on on screen. I have to fully focus on the progress. And if I notice, because we're talking about a whole different level of, of content there, right? Mm. Like, I'm talking about bosses. I've been progressing a boss for three months with on, like four to five Holy times shit. per week basis uh, with experienced players, right? None of us are new to MMOs, right? Like, it's not like we're complete newbies, but um, clearly we're not extreme hardcore gamers in Final Fantasy at the time, but... Um, Three months. You know, and when you're like in that, exp- in that kind of environment where, you know, okay, it's taking so long, it's like taking a toll on people. If I hold back ch- the group because I wipe to a difficult mechanic because I look at chat, I feel really bad. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, if if you're with a group of people, and how big are the raids in Final Fantasy? Eight men. Usually. Eight men. Oh, even less than Guild Wars. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. another factor, by the way, like a lot of people, like I think, say that that's one big reason why they do better there than in Guild Wars Two is because one of the biggest hurdles to get into a raid in Guild Wars Two is finding ten players, is mm-hmm. finding nine other players than yourself, mm-hmm. and having just two people less to like have to schedule around might actually be quite a, a, a much bigger impact than 
that one might think even. Mm-hmm. Right? Kind of a interesting yeah, what's, side note. There, what's maybe. the right size? Yeah. Yeah. It probably de- depends on your game, <laughs> right? What? Depends on your game very much, yeah. What, what were you just, just laughing about? <laughs> Nothing. Oh. No, you know, it's not all about the size, Deke. It's, oh. You know, it's, oh, oh, oh. The okay. game does matter. Your game, you know, you I'm, don't sweat the technique, dude. It's like, I missed I miss the penis joke. Sorry. Sorry. I am mentally 14-year-old, by the way. That is, that is <laughs> a thing about me. Well, we're sitting here late into the night talking about games, yeah. so I, I kind of assume that going in. Yeah, it's been a long day. I get to I get to make childish jokes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's all good. Um, that's that that's part of the bargain. Um, I'm interested though. That's what in... I came to this basement for. <laughs> yeah, why else? Why else slum it up here in this dirty ass dusky basement side? <laughs> um, so I, I actually find myself wanting to hear a little bit more about Final Fantasy raids. The idea that you can be progressing on a boss for three months really intrigues me. Um, can you give me like a, an, an elevator pitch for what makes Final Fantasy Raids stand out differently from Guild Wars? They're difficult. They're okay. really, really, really fucking difficult. Okay. They are very, com- like they, well, it's almost, you can't even, it's difficult to compare them because they both do rating very differently. Uh, Guild Wars 2's design principle behind raids tends to be to kind of stagger mechanics on top of each other. So you'd have a boss, and that boss would do a certain rotation of attacks. Mm -hmm. So you'd have, let's say, Matthias as an example. Okay, Matthias has a rotation, actually. Matthias will do a couple of auto attacks, then he'll shoot his Hadouken, right? Yeah. He'll do a couple of auto attacks, then he'll do the jump attack. He'll do a couple of auto attacks, then he'll summon his shield, right? And that's kind of the cycle he goes through. So that's like an underlying continuing mechanic Mm -hmm. that won't change for the first three phases of the fight right Mm -hmm. he'll always do these attacks sort of in that order and then you'll have um and then you'll have mechanics staggered on top of that right you'll have every 30 seconds somebody gets an aoe and you'll have to carry it through the puddle uh every um you know a certain time interval somebody will become the sacrifice Mm -hmm. um every 20% 20% of his health bar will cycle into another phase that kind of changes up how another mechanic that staggers on top, right? Then you'll have the water phase. You know, yeah. so it's like a, a, a bunch of mechanics that stack on top of each other. Um, and, and it makes kind of kind of leads to this versatile, more reaction-based gameplay. Uh, Final Fantasy raids are a timeline. They're 100% the attack the, the the boss always does the exact same attacks and mechanics in a timeline. So the, okay. the boss will attack, he will do two auto attacks, he'll do a tank buster, then mechanic one starts where you have to spread out in this particular pattern, then mechanic two starts where it starts in this, you can literally have a timeline down to the second where you see every attack, every mechanic that he'll do uh-huh. over the course of the fight. <clears throat> and and some of them can still be have random aspects to them, but you have a timeline of very mechanically challenging mechanics. So in... Final Fantasy, it's all about knowing exactly what's about to happen, knowing exactly where you have to go, and then executing as flawlessly. And especially when you get into ultimates, you like they tend to not allow you to recover as much. You don't okay. have a heal scourge that can bring your entire team back. You mm-hmm. you die, you die. You, you're out of position, even by a pixel, you, you're dead. So they're very punishing. Group. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. um, and also they have enrage timers. <laughs> okay. Imagine that, dude. And, you yeah. actually wipe if you don't do enough damage. That's okay. something that Guild Wars 2 doesn't really know about anymore. No. So, um, 
Well, of course, I'm talking about like very end game content. There, they have mm-hmm. other levels of end game. They stagger their end game a lot more. Mm-hmm. They they don't just have raids and fractals. They'll have. Um, this actually kind of brings us back to the topic a little bit more that we were going into oh, earlier about bringing players through the content um, with the old with the idea of Zaitan is a, is a five man dungeon. They have something that I like to refer to as a ladder, a content ladder that leads your players through difficult content or too uh-huh. difficult content mm-hmm. so like really let's let's just really run with that metaphor of a letter actually okay. tweeted that one out too a little i uh, yeah i saw that throw something up in paint once um and that is that you have like you, the letter and you, what are what are the uh these ones called that you climb up on the rungs what the rungs the rungs okay yeah. so and each type of content you make is a rung on that letter mm-hmm. right so you start at the very bottom, right? And you start with a story, a story mission. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't require much skill, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and it's not supposed to. But you know, you st- but you have to press buttons to do it. A boss will have a health bar. He won't do much, but you still have to kill. It's, you know, yeah. baseline. Uh, and then you have a dungeon, right? And a dungeon is a little bit more difficult. It's not difficult, right? Like, you s- in Final Fantasy, at least, it isn't. Um, and you kind of do that, and it's you know the kind of the next step. But you first time you'll have some mechanics, you'll have mm-hmm. to actually do some healing, etc. Uh, then you'll have the next one, and that's trials. That's basically strike missions. Um, so it's an individual okay. raid boss, and then you'll have a normal mode raid. That's a little bit more difficult than that. And then you'll have an extreme mode trial, so the difficult mode of the one before the raids. Got right? it. Got it. And that one will then be quite a bit more difficult, right? And then you have savage raids which are quite a bit more difficult than that even. And then you have ultimate at the very top. So do you see like, they have like this. So there are types of two tiers of trials and three tiers of raids. Am I hearing that right? Uh, two, two tiers of trials, two tiers of raids. Two and, and then two. ultimates are like a separate thing almost. Oh, ultimates are different. So they aren't raids. Ultimates are like a boss blitz kind of thing. They take an old raid tier and they take all of the most, imagine if they went and they took all of, they took Veil Guardian. Veil Guardian, yeah. Gorzival, Sabatha, Matthias, mm-hmm. and Zera, and they put them all into like one huge back-to-back encounter. So you'd start fighting Bale Guardian on steroids, uh-huh. and and every, every you know every thirty seconds, Matthias jumps in and does all of his mechanics at the same time. <laughs> and then thirty seconds later, Gorzival and Holy Sabatha will shit. That sounds amazing. And they'll both do all of their stuff at the same time. Yeah, and you know, and then and once you manage to get through that phase, now now Matthias spawns and and Zera comes in, and you have to fight those at the same. You know, uh-huh. just and it leads to like that's like the pinnacle of difficulty in that game. Is um, basically, and those are like fifteen to twenty minute encounters um, oh, that long. are just loaded with mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> How's the gear work in that game? Long. Does it have a ceiling like Guild Wars Two, or, or is it more like WoW? Uh, more like wow okay. it has a item level they bring out every every time a new tier of content drops they they raise the item level so that okay. you kind of have to play that for the new gear yeah but what i really just want to want to say <laughs> is like the the value of this you you see a lot more players in final fantasy play rates a lot more players in final fantasy play ultimates um i think ultimates are at least 20 times as difficult as the most difficult encounter in final fantasy in, in guild wars at least Jesus. Uh, in terms of how much coordination it needs. Like, Winning the hardest encounter in Guild Wars is Doom CM? It's a, it's a tough, tough decision, honestly. Tough call, in my opinion. Pro- most people probably struggle with Doom CM, but if you look at Doom CM objectively, it's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. Doom CM doesn't have many mechanics. 
Doomcm has a guy that runs around. This is fairly well, punishing does, if you screw up, right? Doomcm likes at something that in League of Legends you would uh, call map awareness. Mm-hmm. So in League of Legends, you can be a great top lane player, right? And uh, be great at doing your thing on top lane uh, until you get ganked by the jungler. I don't know how familiar you are with League of Legends. Only vaguely, um, but all those terms I understand. Okay, so like once the jungler comes and kills you, you lose your lane, no matter how good you are at playing mm-hmm. your lane 1v1. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what Doomcm does. Doomcm ma- forces you to kind of take your tunnel vision off of your skill bar and the boss itself and forces you to do the to, to focus your vision around you in the room right and i think that's something that guild wars 2 doesn't do very often and therefore mm-hmm. players are just generally not good at it and um so the boss itself isn't really difficult mechanically mm-hmm. like, wh- what does he have every 30 seconds you have to go into a green aoe come on like it's kind of i beat joke. him so how hard can it be yeah like, no <laughs> no no i mean it's still difficult right but like yeah. if you just look at the mechanic uh, of that all of doom's mechanics combined are like mm-hmm. the first 20 seconds of an ultimate yeah in terms of mechanical challenge in a way you know i, I think what makes doom see him so so hard is that guild wars 2 players are playing it and i don't mean that to roast guild wars 2 players you because I, I didn't say that <laughs> i didn't say that chat okay i think you guys so, are well up there here's an important concept and i don't want to get too sidelined by this but an important concept is that the game makes the players Okay, so people can come into your game with whatever whatever mentality they they have, with whatever interests they have. But the people who stick around learn to play the game the way the game tells them to play. And the game can do that in a thousand different ways. It can put all the best loot on certain game modes. People learn that's how you're supposed to play. It can put um, all the interesting story in certain in certain places. People learn, oh, well, this is where this is how I'm supposed to play this game or whatever. And you know, I don't want to be the dead horse, but Guild Wars 2 has told players how to play the game. And one of the things that they've told players is like rating is not really that important. You don't you don't really have to, and if you don't want to, we'd prefer if you didn't. Yeah, yes and no. I actually Ooh, I actually disagreement. Let's go. Um <laughs> uh I don't necessarily think Guild Wars 2 just didn't tell people to rate. I think people Guild Wars 2 does a bad job at leading people to rates, right? Like, and this is your argument, um, so I'll, I'll let you continue yeah, exactly. with this. Go ahead. Go, kind of going back to the whole letter thing, right? Just like, just I've just talked about Final Fantasy for so long to establish this idea of the different, what are they called the again? Rungs. The rungs. Rung. Here, I'll put it in The rungs, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Um, I'll use that a lot as we talk about this. Okay. Um, so I, I just wanted to, you to see the ideas of different um, difficulty modes, different types of content being the rungs on a ladder of difficulty, mm-hmm. leading you all the way up there. Because in Final Fantasy, 3% of the player base have cleared ultimates, right? The content... That's pretty that high for the pinnacle vastly content. vastly more difficult than anything Guild Wars 2 has to offer. Okay. Yet in Guild Wars 2... A similar amount of people have cleared Doomsian, or like have cleared or actively raid, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, like you look at it, you see, like, okay, they have content that is this difficult and have the same amount doing it as people in this game doing content that is this difficult. And I think that is because of this difficulty ladder. That's because they are building up their content to be more and more challenging. Mm-hmm. And it's getting people who usually aren't competitive raiders, or like a lot of people I, I see that, you know. If I saw them in Guild Wars 2, I wouldn't think they raided. But in, in Final Fantasy, they progress ultimates, right? Mm. With with and have fun and they enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in Guild Wars 2, they just probably wouldn't get to that point even. 
right? Okay. So what does Guild Wars 2 do differently? I think Guild Wars 2 does a horrible job at, at designing that their content ladder, you know, at, if they even have one. It feels in Final Fantasy, they have a roadmap, they have a plan, they have a system in which they add their content in order to establish this, this ladder. Mm-hmm. Guild Wars 2, they instead, they don't actually, you know, they don't have the two rungs, the big things on the sides of the ladder. I don't got a word for that. Sorry. They, you know, they just they just have a couple of rungs and they just, you know, throw them on a pile. They're like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Well, it seems like like what you describe with the letter rungs in Final Fantasy is like there's there's a, a progression of similar style content, um, group group PVE content. Whereas Guild Wars seems to take an approach of like we want to identify different interests and create like a content lane for that interest. So like the idea of the five man group PVE content, the ten man group PVE content, the small scale PVP, the large scale PVP or world, world v world, and there's no rungs, really, within those lanes. And they're, they're different, and they're also terribly paced, you know? Uh-huh. Um, for example, let's say, do you think a dungeon does a good job of introducing a player to PvE? No. Do you think a dungeon is a good first step, or will you as a new player probably get stomped quite a bit? And then no. as an experienced player, you'll think, like, it's horribly easy. Um, yeah, dungeons are a problem. Everyone knows this. If, if, so let's say dungeons are the first prong, are they actually a good prong to be down here? Are like, are they where you first step your foot, or are they actually kind of, kind of high already, um, as really from the yeah. beginner perspective? Well, if, if you put um, the so when you when you describe the rung, you put the the story experience as as the starting point, right? And if you look at Guild Wars, like the distance between the rung of open world story content and whatever's next, which you could call dungeons, maybe like tier one fractals, um, yeah, is a very big jump. And mainly, so it's because I would, I would argue the story, story ladder is, is like six feet underground. Yeah, exactly. Right, like that's you literally have NPCs next to you that will eternally rescue. You cannot fail it. They will kill the boss for you if, you, if they have to. Right. In a way, right? There's zero punishment. Um, and then you do have some open world that 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 takes it up. You have Heart of Thorns that that takes it up a notch. And um, but then once we really, I want to stick to the open. I, I want to stick to the instance kind of because yeah, yeah. I think the gameplay is just so different. Um, like dungeons aren't a good first prong, uh, a good first rung. Uh, fractals are kind of a decent first rung, but yeah. even they have like, like it's it's more like all of the different rungs that Guild Wars Two has created. They they differ so much in how you play them. Like the gameplay in fractals is so different from almost dungeons to raids, etc. Yeah, it is. It's hard to have like this coherent string of difficulty that people yeah. can work up on. Yeah. And fractals are trying to do it. But fractals are also not doing a great job at it. I think like like low level fractals are incredibly incredibly easy, and then CMs are like more difficult than raids, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like there so are where, there are too many rungs almost for fractals, and that's where my frustration comes from with strike missions because strike missions were the idea of let's take open world event and raids, and let's add a rung in the middle, right? And let's actually intentionally intentionally mm-hmm. <laughs> add that rung to be that connection between those two types of content um, and actually do something that has real sense and an idea behind it, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then they kind of, like, the things that they didn't go back on intentionally, it seems, they just straight up failed at, you know? Mm-hmm. They just did such a bad job of it. 
and and now it's being dropped. And I think that was such an important wrong where it was, you know, that it, like me looking at it just kind of frustrates me so much because it's so that was such an important part of content, mm -hmm. honestly, strike versions, and it could have been so good and it could have led to so many good things. Mm -hmm. um, but it went wrong in a lot of places and and they never went back to fix it like mm -hmm. they do so often with so much content, right? They never went and actually looked at it and did it properly. Instead, right. they kind of just, again, they, they, they made a wrong that was intended to be in a specific spot and have a specific purpose. But instead of putting it in place in the letter, you know, they just threw it on the pile together yeah. with the other wrongs that they never placed in the letter. It's like there's and no just, one actually you know, taking care of, of the entire ladder. The company yeah. only works on any rung at a time, and exactly the sense and I have they, is like, they, it's like people come and go, picture. teams change, and the continuity of, of of leadership about what the game should be and how people should play it is is um a bit lacking. Yeah, it, it, you just feel like they don't have a system behind the content they introduce. It feels like it was to is that kind of company that um they'll come up with a cool idea and they'll all be like, oh, that's an amazing idea. I don't think anybody's ever done that before. Let's mm -hmm. do it. Let's go all out. Let's like, it doesn't fit anywhere, right? It's completely out of the whole game's spectrum, kind of. They'll throw it in there. They'll see how it does. And eventually that thing will have some problem, but they're already on to the next hot idea that somebody has, you know, yeah. like, and they don't actually go back and try yeah. to make it one coherent product. The thing that always um, bums me out is when they find something that is good enough and they never, and like they keep making new stuff for it, but they never change it. Like the living world formula, which was in my opinion, such a, such a good, it was great for season three. Like it was just great, mm -hmm. yeah. but it hasn't, hasn't I, I meaningfully like evolved since then. Um, raids too, I think also kind of fell prey to this too. Eight raid wings. How different is wing eight from, from wing one? Really? And and they failed, and they had opportunity to to change up that format. People have asked them to change up that format through difficulty uh, modes. That's uh -huh. probably the most prominent request the player base has from ArenaNet in terms of rating is difficulty modes. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I would have asked them. That's one thing I think that they really missed in strike missions, by the way. Difficulty modes should absolutely mandatorily have been in strike missions mm -hmm. and not putting them in strike missions i think actually vastly diminished the how how good that content was set out to ever be able to become you know like yeah. not giving it a difficulty mode actually hard gated how useful that content could be um can i get into that right now or are we still yeah about and else? i would actually love if you'd also add into that like as a lead-in like pretend like i've never done a strike actually i've only ever done yeah. the strikes that were part of the story missions and so Tell me what they are, and for everyone out there, else out there too. So strike missions are first and foremost an individual boss fight in an arena. They are supposed to be raid bosses, like raid boss like, but outside of an explorable instance, and just just an arena with a boss and nothing else. And they're yeah. supposed to bridge between, and they were intended to bridge, and they uh, they 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 um they introduced them with the intention of bridging the gap between open world and organized group. Is that something like, that ArenaNet right? actually said? Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure they did. They, okay. they, at, the, at the announcement thing where they... Oh, the Iceberg one? Yeah, the one with the 48-hour lead-up to. Uh, <laughs> I was there, man. I don't uh, remember them saying that. 
Um, and they, they, there were a lot of design principles behind it initially that, that actually, that I think a lot of people have forgotten about. Um, do you remember that um, strike missions had an, a queue, like had a, mm -hmm. a hot join system? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that like, do, do people still use that? I have no idea. Do they? Yeah, no, they don't. They, 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 <laughs> they just the LFG system? No, why? Have you ever? Yeah, people use the LFG system, but it used to have a straight up. Okay, I can. You you go to the yeah. gate and you say you 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 just join a group now. Yeah, there and was it, a matchmaking like, system a queue. where it it, yeah, it, would, exactly. it would put you into a group or put you into a queue for. Yeah, one. and yeah. I, I think that was a fantastic feature. I think that okay. was so incredibly good because so many. So I've I've made this experience so many times over the years that I've been content creator around raiding is that people are afraid of the LFG. The LFG is one of the biggest gatekeepers to raiding in the game. Is just, you don't have those 250 ally, nobody will take you into the raid. You know, like it, it's very difficult, much more difficult to find a raid. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who start raiding are afraid of fucking up, are afraid of having to prove themselves first, you know, and that initial social having to talk to somebody is a, is a big factor that keeps people from raiding in the LFG. So I thought it was a great thing that they finally added something like a matchmaking system that mm -hmm. takes the uh process of getting into a group out of the lfg and makes it more of a you know a, a hot join for that kind of content and it would have worked yeah. pretty well in my opinion in content that is fairly easy but as a rung between again open world and rates yeah makes sense yeah. but what they did is that if you and i don't know if this was intentional i don't know if this was a tech issue i think it was a tech issue initially but if it was then i think they never actually fixed it what happened is that if you joined a group through the hot join system um you you had no group ui you had no squad ui at all you didn't see what the other classes you were in the instance with were playing you didn't see anything you couldn't pull people into sub squads okay. you could make no kind of group constellation so Okay. First of all, and and I have so many problems with that. Um, first of all, of course, that leads to you doing a boss that is intended for an organized group with an unorganized group. Uh -huh. And Guild Wars 2 is very much a game that is very, very important to have a certain group comp going, right? If your mm -hmm. buffs are random, then you end up with people who do absolutely no damage. Buffing mm -hmm. is such an integral part of the combat that... Um, yeah, you, like these bosses are just straight up 10 times as difficult if you do them without a any sort of setup. Mm -hmm. So forcing a player into having no setup just made the success rate of actually clearing a boss in that environment minuscule, tiny. Like you like it's you you'd wipe for the easiest bosses mm -hmm. for hours if you if you were unlucky, right? And it leads to people being toxic to each other. It leads to people blaming each other because they don't have the information to work off. They don't know why am I not having this buff? They they don't have that buff because they can't control their sub squads, but they say it's because you're not pressing your buttons, right? So it, it, it actually forces people to it makes people toxic. Um, but on the other side, is why do you make content that is supposed to teach people how to play together in an instanced environment, right? And then take away every tool that they have to play together in an instance environment you know like why do you put people why, why do you make content that is in, in aimed for people to learn how to make a sub squad and how boons work and how the value of having that yeah but then take that option away completely so like and i, I can't imagine that being on purpose and um yeah that's the need of group play completely ruined it just completely ruined this entire aspect of matchmaking 
which huh. was one to me when it came out, it was one of the most important parts of the entire thing. That's what I like, thought about it too. Um, when I learned about it and saw videos about what they were doing, I thought, okay, this is like uh, an, like a, a drop-in, drop-out, one raid boss experience, and hopefully yeah. they'll tune it right. I didn't even know that there was a UI issue there. Um, that 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 kind of blows my mind. If it was intentional, which I'm hoping it's not, as you are, it makes me. Yeah. It, the thing that makes me wonder is, was it was that supposed to be an on ramp to doing like world bosses? Like what? Because to me, and, if and you would think, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you would think that it's that would be such an important part that they should have fixed it, mm -hmm. right? Like that's that's one of the most important. Like that that's like an that's like a defining feature of strike missions to me is the ability to hot join and and taking it away from the lfg and taking people out of this potentially rather toxic environment mm -hmm. that makes it difficult to get into it that to me was a very defining feature of strike missions and without it at like from the get-go this this was like this was the first strike mission already had this issue they never fixed it so like from the very first time they launched a strike mission they immediately fucked up one of the most important parts about them mm. um and and I think that's just terrible. That's just I don't know, man. Like what what is going on there? Like that's that's almost irredeemable. Like, eh? Nobody saw this. Nobody were they unable to? Like, yeah, it's a head scratcher. Frustrated a little bit talking about this, you know? Like, uh, yeah. So the UI huge issue right out the gate. It, it's not an effective. It's not an effective rung on the ladder up to raids if it doesn't yeah. look like a raid. If you can't if you can't understand the way raids are organized. Why do you why do you try to teach somebody to drive a car and put them in a car with no wheels and no steering wheel, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, the, uh, you, they can't learn to drive like that Yeah. if you don't give them the material to drive with, right? Yeah. Like, so... They'll, they'll learn how to sit in a car, um, but not how to get anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, uh, anything, right? Like... You can't teach somebody to ride a bike and, you know, give them a rock to sit on, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, so okay. Other than UI so issues, yeah, though, what else? Um, the next thing I'd say is probably, um, uh, <laughs> how do how do I start that one? Um, I'm actually going to start this from the perspective of difficulty mm -hmm. settings. Um, what difficulties? I'm again, I'm going to jump to Final Fantasy as to this as an example. Okay, like, um. In Final Fantasy, you have baseline mechanics, um, like a stack marker. You have the same thing in Guild Wars 2, right? Mm -hmm. You have a, a, a green circle, usually means stand in it with a certain amount of people. Mm -hmm. um, then, um, and they, they probably do a little bit more of that. There are certain markers that just, you know, the, the, the eye above the head in, in Fractals? Yeah. Uh, that generally means look away from this while he's doing this attack. Yeah. That's a Final Fantasy mechanic. Uh, oh. It's one of the baseline mechanics from Final Fantasy. It's like if a boss has an eye above his head while he's channeling an attack, that means you have to look away. Yeah, Simon and, um, says. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like have, when everybody gets an AoE around them, that means spread up, spread up and have yeah. a certain distance to everybody. Um, so these are like what I would like to call baseline mechanics. Mm -hmm. Um and these are repetitive mechanics. These mechanics come back in bosses. Mm -hmm. um, every boss at the end of the day is a certain type of combination and revamp of these baseline mechanics, just packaged differently, right? Like, uh, um, like different things can force you to spread up. The the AOEs around you are just like the most obvious tell sort of for it, right? Right. So it's like these kind of baseline behaviors that you kind of want to 
teach to players. So that's what you want. You want there to be a certain consistency in what mechanics are, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. So in, in so people Fantasy, invest time into this. learning it, there's a payoff for it. Yeah. And, and, and in their base form, these mechanics are all very simple, right? Mm-hmm. It's not difficult to see if you have a, if you have a long time to get there, uh, there's a stack marker, I have to go into this, right? And for they actually did this. The one thing where I give them credit for in strike missions is they did this on uh, Whisper of Jormac. Um, that has a green AOE around him that has these arrows that point inward, right? Mm-hmm. That's like um, a mechanic from a raid that they took and they adjusted to make it more visible, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what they should have done. That's what it should have all been about, right? Um, but that's an example of that. Um, so they should have had these baseline mechanics that are similar to raid ones, but have a much longer, easier tell, right? But then on the other hand, are punishing when you don't hit them. Right. You should have a long time to realize that you have to dodge this AOE and then dodge it. But if you don't dodge it, you should die. You should immediately die and have to yeah. restart. Yeah. It should be easy to avoid it, but it should punishing be punishing to avoid. So mm-hmm. that you understand that you have to actually do that mechanic, right? Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, how that should teach, right? How, how a mechanic would be taught to you effectively. And is that what Final um, Fantasy does? More yeah, or less? pretty okay. much, right? Like, I, I mean, you don't necessarily immediately die, right? It's not like it will immediately wipe you, but... It puts you in a very die. compromised position where you probably lead to death because things compound on each other, right? Um, There's never just one mechanic. I mean, of course, Get Wars 2 also has the downstate, which kind of, yeah. like, cheeses how punishment works in the game a lot more, but, you know, they, they, I think you need to be punishing in order to teach somebody how to, to do a mechanic because what it leads to and what I think you see in how people actually play strikes is it leads to people ignoring mechanics and out healing them, right? Mm -hmm. You don't actually, you don't actually dodge all the AOEs that get thrown at you on whispers of jaw Mac. You'll, you'll just stack two healers and Mm -hmm. and stand in it. Um, you know, you don't actually do the lamps on bone Skinner. You, you just, instead you just DPS and you bring two more healers to heal you through it. Right. So it actually encourages a bad, gameplay it actually like the content the way that it is done in Uh, games 2 actually encourages you to not dodge the attacks because what rather than having that one very slow moving attack that will kill you they'll have like a gazillion fast little things that will that will tickle right mm -hmm. um so you don't learn to avoid the aoe you learn to face tank and heal through it and that's just basically teaching you to play the game bad It's, it's not reactive yeah Right? It's like it, it's it's nothing really. It's just it's just a heal check in a and yeah. you know in a in a balance that is incredibly power crept when it comes to healing. Interesting. So, um, yeah, um, Guild Wars Two doesn't punish you for not doing what it telegraphs its main mechanics are. The downstay is a, is a big yeah. big part of that everywhere in the game. Um, and I'm 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 not saying this from the perspective of me as a raider who likes difficult content. I'm mm-hmm. saying this from a perspective of how can this content achieve what it's supposed to achieve, and yeah. that is to teach players and get them and get them to learn what will later be relevant in raids. Because if you teach a player to well, if you if you teach a player to face tank every AOE that's thrown at him and out heal it, um, he will probably die in a raid later. He'll probably face tank one too many. And once that actually scales up to the point where you can't outheal it, uh, you'll probably be punished for it. Or, and if you don't, then that just means that the content is really bad, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you don't that, you're encouraging the wrong gameplay, sort of. 
Uh, yeah, and that. it's almost like the game is so like in in any game, there's a win condition, and the value of the win condition in my mind is basically what's left on the table after all the loss conditions. And if you make it so it's impossible to lose or difficult to lose, then the win condition loses its value. And yeah. even even if, um, and and which is why, like if you if you do Veil Guardian a thousand times, the thousand and first time is not like, yay! It's like, all right, was that worth my time? Maybe not. Like it doesn't feel rewarding because the chances you were going to lose were not high. The chances yeah. you you were going to win were high, and so when you actually win, it's not that great. And this is a problem that. I, I think pervades uh, Guild Wars PVE, and it's it's seems like it's right there in Strikes too, where um, it's reluctance to punish players for not following the the mechanics that they put that, that they implement results in people ignoring yeah. and deliberately failing those mechanics, and and um, creating this it's, it's weird like a, weird meta. It's like a too lenient teacher. Right. Like it's uh -huh. like the, you know, a teacher that's trying to be too cool with you. Right. And ends up not teaching you anything and ends up like kind of teaching you the kind of bad behavioral patterns that they shouldn't teach you. Right. That's yeah. like, there's like the wrong, there's like a misbalance there of, of, of that, of, you know, yeah. of that kind of, it's not punishing enough to actually want you to play well. Right. As like if you feel like it's actually the more effective way to clear this content is to cheese it and to not play well mm -hmm. and to to ignore everything, that's actually the more effective way. Even right, like mm -hmm. Bone Skinner is faster if you do it this way, mm -hmm. right? Worst um, of all, too. Yeah, that it's like uh, one of the original skips. Yeah, VG. Uh, I mean, yeah. but you know, at least those kind of require something. Like VG skipping greens, that kind of requires a certain amount of like aimed healing. Yeah, I mean, what am I saying? It's gotten fucking easy nowadays. That shit used well, to be power, tough, but... power creep. But yeah, like uh... it, 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 it took some knowledge <laughs> yeah. of the encounter and some precision execution, but you could pull it yeah. off. So yeah, I, I, you're probably right. Not a super fair comparison. Uh, I'm, I'm just not... saying, like, if you make content that's supposed to teach people, then you have to aim to teach people with their content you don't like if you if you end up making content that encourages to play worse then you've not just missed your target you've made the opposite of what you were intending to make right you're you're not helping the community you're actually damaging it in a way like you know you make players <sighs> worse i like, think you just described guild wars too <laughs> the game teaches oh, te teaches people to play badly <laughs> I mean, it does in it does in many places, and it's unfortunate. But I'm talking about PVE, um, which is the only part of the game I know anything about. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, what else for strikes? So um, and, telegraph. And, yeah. Okay. That, so uh, about UI sucks and mechanics aren't punishing. Yeah, and 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 um, and here's where I think they really missed the trick. That's what I was talking about earlier with difficulty settings. I think difficulty settings are the perfect way to teach. Because not because I want a difficult boss. Right? Mm -hmm. The easy mode should be hilariously easy. Mm. Most strike missions are too hard for what I would consider should be the original mode, right? Mm. Almost, right? It should literally be slow as fuck. Get out of there. If you get hit, you you should face palm and be like, fuck, I'm an idiot, right? And then have the and then on the on the uh, harder mode version of it, mm -hmm. you take away the tell or something, okay? So let's say you have a boss and the boss has a has a big club 
and he he hits on the floor with that big club. In the easy mode, he'd be like, "Yeah, your screen will flash red. You have a big telegraph. Yeah, yeah, uh, everything on the ground is like flashy red. Get out of here! Get out of here! Get out of here! You'll get hit in a second, right? Mm -hmm. And the normal mode is just slightly faster, but without the red toe, without the big AOE toe. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's just take that as an example. You've just taken away a sl the the big flashy indicator." But people still know it's there. People did the normal mode, okay? People still know it's the same attack. They recognize the motion. But because you and because it has this direct um, interaction, right? Because it's so close to each other that people have come out of literally just having done the easy mode and they go into the harder mode. They still remember that exact attack. That attack is still present in their mind, so they still remember that AOE on the ground. Mm -hmm. So you've so you've basically elevated them to the next level of difficulty in a very kind of convenient way, right? In a way that they can learn without much difficulty because they've literally done the easier version of it before. Doesn't mean that the club has to be very, very fast on the second boss. Second boss can still be easy, still not supposed to be a raid, mm -hmm. but you've at least you've, you've given somebody actual progress. You've mm -hmm. given somebody actual, an actual learning experience kind of, you know? Right. And, um, and if that then kind of even goes further and translates into what I said earlier with these baseline mechanics, mechanics that can then get picked up in rates as well, um, you know, if that club um, can be prevented if you stack in, in, in a green AoE instead or something, you know, then it actually ties into rates. And then you suddenly have a very smart system of how you, again, lead people through your content. You have recurring mechanics that you lead people through, through um, difficulty modes in an uh, in an easier game mode that uh -huh. is different from raids but similar has similar mechanics and it has like this direct uh, comparison between an easier and a harder version of it right uh -huh. um and it that would actually lead you into a raid that would teach you how to play the game on a mechanical level you know it would teach you okay avoid aoes and sometimes aoes have a tilt sometimes they don't right mm -hmm. uh, and actually maybe on a mechanical level teach you how to how boss mechanics look like what the uh -huh. game mechanic is based on, you know, like AOE bad. Uh, if a flashy orb flies at you, that's bad. You know, what what do little red rings mean? Yeah. How are they different from so a, a consistency of mechanics that that scales yeah. in a way that is open, that is transparent to the player? I may, I maybe, I, I, I think I'm having difficulty wording it. Like I think I said it more complex than it needs to be, kind of right. <laughs> Just uh, well. Here's here's my question, and maybe this will help make it all fall in line. Because um, I, I think I get where you're going. Uh, I, I I see the merit in having an escalation of mechanics. Um, yeah. I think that there are even some boss fights that do this well within the boss fight itself, where you have phase one, it's like, okay, here's the basic mechanic. And then you get to phase three and phase four, and it has that mechanic some plus, plus like a few actually. others. Right. So we see that in small scale. But what you're talking about the, the success story with Final Fantasy is that they've implemented that 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 idea across multiple layers of content, and yep. some of these are hard and easy mode, like the the two raids and the two trials modes. Um, some of them aren't. Ultimate is its own thing altogether. But it sounds like there's that consistency of that approach to be like, here's a basic mechanic at the lowest level. Yep. Okay, here's a little salt. Okay, here's a little here's a little spice. Here's a little this, and you just you keep sprinkling on and or, or you make it more difficult by making people do two things at once or having to have things happen back to back or add in a layer of randomness, like an escalation yeah. of difficulty. Exactly. But how you can do you play around with them so much? Yeah. Yeah. And so here's my question about all that stuff. 
Kyle Rocca. So for Final Fantasy, I'm guessing that the way that players are led through that content has something to do with gear itemization. Does it? Um, I would say the first thing that Final Fantasy actually leads you through is actually the story. The okay. story is um, Final Fantasy has a very stringent unlock system. It's not like you get thrown to the game, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Okay. You have to literally unlock everything through a quest. So there's there, there there's um like um attunement quests. You cannot and things play like that. raids. You cannot play raids until you finish the story of that chapter. Imagine that um well, I mean basically imagine that if if if, if we compare it to a Guild Wars 2 episode, let's say the new Guild Wars 2 episode is the one re- remember what the Joko episode where we fought Joko at the yeah. end? Yeah. Um Let's say that's the episode. You have to play that episode before you can play the strike mission that comes out with it. And that strike mission is Joko. Yeah. Right? So you 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 play through the story, and before the final room, you actually have to queue up, and you have to okay. join that instance that is Joko. And once you've beaten Joko, that's when you get your final personalized personal story cutscene. Yeah. And then you get right. a key to unlock the raid to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's that, when the, the quest pops up for the raid yeah. for the first time. You know, that reminds me a lot of actually is the old school World of Warcraft um, attunement system. Probably. Yeah. Th- th- I mean, that's why they take a lot of their inspiration yeah. from, right? It's, it's World of Warcraft. Yeah. So you sacrifice accessibility. You cannot jump straight into the content. What you do is you give players a road that instructs them how to play the game, how to be good with it. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you kind of force them to play it in the first place. Which I think I think that's where Guild Wars Two doesn't like the whole system, where they don't like that format because they don't like to force anybody to do anything. Yeah, um, seems like, like Guild Wars the, uh, whole philosophy likes to have more of a wheel approach, where like you you, you put yeah. players in the middle and they can go here or they can go here, they can go here, and they're not necessarily connected. Um, but you know, I think I think they could achieve the same things with that if they if they did it correctly. You know, with like people strikes still, and raids, people. People seek out dungeons. People seek out strike missions. Mm. The majority of people, I think, nowadays does that. They at least give it a shot. Mm. Um, it's a lot more interesting if a boss fight is has story relevance, right? If you actually experience a cool story kind of character as a cool boss fight, uh, that 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 kind of that's a different experience, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I lost I, I lost track of thoughts. I can't wait. I'm starting I'm starting to feel the 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 the, the time, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's what happens on all but, podcasts. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, when, when I got to this point with Mighty Teapot, right? You, you know Teapot, like mm. I was astonished by his energy because uh, I got to a point where I was like, "Oh man, I'm tired. I want to stop and have some dinner." And there he was. I'm, at like, jealous, of, I'm jealous of Teapot for that energy. That at like he, five in the morning. And he was just like, go, yeah. go, 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 go. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, so I mean, he, has, he, he, he sleeps and like his sleep schedule is a little bit weird compared to compared to others. Right? I gather but, that. Um, I gather that. Either way. Teapot is an incredibly energetic person. Like he's a. Yeah. He's, he's something we can all aspire to in that respect, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Bic just said something. I don't know how he does it, man. Yeah, Bic just just has something in the chat. Uh, Bic Mag, uh, Heart of Thor. Or what about the idea for Heart of uh, Heart of Thorns? You have to do the story first, then fight Mordremoth, and only then can you get into the Spirit Veil, something like that. And the thought I had is like, how Final Fantasy would do it. Exactly. Yeah, you you even take it up a notch and make it like so. If there was like a hard mode for the raids, maybe you had to do the migraine achievement first, which is the one to beat yeah, um, yeah. Mordremoth with all the all the crazy requirements in it, like. 
but Guild Wars right, is yeah. is like almost anti-gating in its approach to that stuff. Yeah. Um, and no, the, I think, the I upside. Think, I think it was too... Go ahead. Go, no, no, no. It's your turn this time. Okay. Oh, I was going to say like, I think this is a philosophical thing, and I think that I'm not sure if that philosophy is is the question I always have. When it, when I come to these big ideas, is 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 there a problem in in the philosophy, or is there a problem in the application of the philosophy? The philosophy of Guild Wars is access is more important than 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 progress. Access is more important than the, the ability to get to the content for everybody is more important than than having the content be good and meaningful. That's a really interesting question. That's a really nice. I like that question a lot. Yeah, and because uh, I would actually I would actually agree that really often it is actually the application of their philosophy like their philosophy isn't bad but the way that they that there are some philosophies that they will stick to to death right mm -hmm. like never force a player to do anything right mm -hmm. and they will rather see all of the pve scene die than make a story boss a cool raid boss right yes. like even though they've kind of done it in the past, I guess, and then threw it away again. Mm -hmm. But um, like, in, if if we talk about like Wing Three, for example, and like the story implications that had, um, or, or Wing Four actually even, but um, they will they will stick to that like like a uh, like a coffin. <laughs> like yeah, um, yeah. It seems to be a core philosophy for Guild Wars Two. The weird thing is that we saw things like the Heart of Thorns release, which really took a different philosophy altogether. And then we saw them come back and they stopped talking to us. And then raids are sort of there. Then strikes are kind of here. It's, it's the same old story. What is actually Guild Wars two does a bad job of showing players what they can get out of the game. Yeah. Where, where to go. They, they don't, they lack. And I, you know, the, the thing is, I don't think that a core philosophy to say that you can't, you, you don't force anybody to do anything that doesn't have to automatically mean you can't give people direction. That doesn't mean yeah. you can't, uh, you can't intertwine story and dungeons. You can't intertwine story and a, and a trial. You can, I think you can still do it in like a light manner, sort of, sort of like how, um, it was two not having a trinity doesn't mean that you can't have tanks and healers yeah. you find an amalgamate of the two systems you find something that works in terms of your game uh, and and they could have done that mm -hmm. and uh, I, I i feel like they sometimes don't pay enough thought to that or like they could do better on that if they if they really sat down and got nitty-gritty about it they mm -hmm. could mm -hmm. um i think there have been a lot of community ideas about this kind of stuff um they're still clearly experimenting with this kind of stuff, right? I mean, strike missions are an experiment of this. Strike missions right. are taking a story boss and making him into a instanced group boss. They didn't go as far as to immediately make that story boss an instanced group boss. That's what Final Fantasy would have done. Final Fantasy would have never had you in that instance alone against the boss with an NPC. Mm -hmm. They would have immediately they would have forced you to queue into the boss fight, and that would have been your final story fight. Yeah, um, yeah, like, like like the old Zaitan fight. Yeah, so so get was to doing it this way is. is pretty much them experimenting around with that same format and doing it in the Guild Wars 2 way, which is great, which is awesome. They should do that, right? Mm -hmm. I, I fully encourage that. Just do it well. And Just don't do drop it, well. it the second that you f fix the actual issues and maybe yeah. recognize the big issues. Like, how is this UI thing not rec being recognized as one of the biggest issues about it? It baffles me. I don't get it. 
Right. Um, it would have been the if if I had been this is kind of a dick thing to say, right? But if I had been in charge of the group of of that development team, right, that would have been the first thing I would have pushed everybody to do, right? Like, and I would have been sitting in meetings, you know, giving people a tough time about how is this not fixed yet, kind mm-hmm. of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, that would have been such a priority about the entire project. Right. Um, yeah. It, it really paints a picture that I hate, I hate to talk about cause it's a very bad picture. <clears throat> it's a picture of a studio that does not know what it wants, where, where direction changes constantly, where maybe yeah. you have some people who stand up and say, Hey, I'm going to do something really cool. I have this idea for strike missions. I'm going to take this to management. They're going to give me a team. I'm going to do this. But then the wind blows a different direction. And then suddenly all the force behind that team that could have fixed the UI issue is gone. Maybe maybe they're let yeah. go. Maybe they're yeah. moving to other quote-unquote projects. Absolutely, absolutely a big issue. Guild Wars 2 seems to be a game that lacks direction in a lot of places. Like They lack, to, they lack that roadmap that they have, um, not just in terms of what they're going to bring out next, but like in how their content interacts with each other uh-huh. and... Uh, you know, having that plan, having that actual, not a roadmap that you give to players in terms of what's going to happen next, but what is, how are you thinking ahead? How does this tie together? You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of, mission. and that's what direction is ultimately, right? It's like, what is your long-term, what's, what's your battle plan? Kind right. Of, right. That's, that's basically what direction is. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really like to think about with games and especially games I get frustrated with like this, because it, really in all the Guild Wars 2 content I've done, I've been exploring my grief about the game because I, I fell in love with it, and then and it, and I feel like it hurt me because well, we've been talking about that for the last however many hours. It was through an abusive relationship, I like to say. I suppose, so, yeah. I you, mean, you, you always you always come back, but you you know, until you don't. You know, your family sees the bruises. You know, yeah. Like I mean, people see the signs. It's, it's been like a couple of years for me that I spent more time talking about Guild Wars than playing it, um, and. I think I'll to being a content creator in Guild Wars 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like every content creator in Guild Wars 2. Yeah. At, at some point. It's like Well, I mean, there's definitely a certain a certain truth there. Um and one of the things I've been thinking about a lot as a creator, and not just for Guild Wars, but for any game, is the idea of um promises. And uh, so the idea that that promises that are made to players by games, but in the way that they present themselves. So I talked earlier about, um, you know, this planet side games problem where it doesn't, it doesn't present itself sufficiently as being a game that's hard to learn and hard to be successful with. It doesn't paint the picture of an actually punishing experience, which is what the game actually is. Um, and there's good stuff there to be had if you can accept that reality. And with Guild Wars, I, we, there's been a lot of messaging over the years about what the game wants to be. Um, I think that the strongest message we've seen is this anti-MMO message and this message of access and the ability to be in an MMO game without all the MMO bullshit. Um, but then we've seen periods of time where they've gone deep in, deeper into the MMO bullshit, like raids and difficult difficult uh, open world you know, stuff. But where I feel like we have to define what MMO bullshit is. Right. Because I think what, what they wanted to get rid of, for example, is quests traditional quests where you just, you know, talk to an NPC, you run from A to B, pick up to kill five boars and deliver them back to the NPC, right? That's that's yeah. the MMO they wanted to get. Or unengaging of. combat, which they actually did. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah, yeah. sorry. They put in the right system. Um, but then, like, so combat is, is, is a good vehicle to explore this idea through. So 
you want to be an anti-MMO, so you make a game with actually really good, interesting, engaging, responsive feeling combat. Which, if you if, if you go back and play World of Warcraft, like you see you see what the other side of that looks like. Um, I know that there are other games that are doing good combat too, but um, mm-hmm. so you make you make a game with good with good combat, but then you also want to make a game that's that that's that anyone can play the story for, and so because of that, the combat system doesn't have to be used to actually get through yeah. the content. And then you add raids. So you have much of you have a whole game of people who learn who got through the game with the combat system being a complete opt-in, opt-out experience. You don't have to engage with the system. I mean, yeah, you, you have to press some buttons, but you don't have to know what you're doing until you get to yeah. the organized content. And then we're seeing mixed mixed messages and promises being being made by the game. You anyone can play this. You don't have to learn the combat. This game has great combat. If you love combat, you should come play it. Those are conflicting promises. You can't fulfill both of those at the same time. And there are just so many places in this game and Raids and Strikes, another good example, or two good examples, where there are conflicting promises being made that never got reconciled. Um, And I I want to read the book that someone writes about ArenaNet in 15 years. (laughs) I want to read it. Because I want to know what the, the fuck. World that I'm not the one to write that book. <laughs> I want to know what the fuck, man. Uh, there was a time where I I thought about approaching these these Guild Wars discussions in a much more um in a much less in, in a much more positive fashion. And when I say positive, I don't mean like um I mean. Be, <sighs> no, 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 no I, I've been there. I, let, I think everybody in the Guild. Let me think about the way I want to say this. At that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you get it. But let me think about the way I want to say this for posterity. Yeah. There was a time yeah. where I thought about being less authentic about my feelings about Guild Wars, but the idea that I could eventually get to a point where I could actually talk to some ArenaNet folks and get them to come onto my program and talk to me about the game. Um, where I came in on it is what you can see. I decided authenticity is the most important thing. I'm going to be honest about my feeling, my experience of it, and if that taints me from ever having any access to ArenaNet or whatever, any of that goes on, like I, I have accepted that. But I would love to talk to someone from ArenaNet, past or, or current or past, future, I guess. I don't know if I was going to say future. It makes no sense. Um, and learn something about what goes on. And, and, you know, here's the thing. Like, I work in software, so I, I have some idea of where things can go, can go to shit and where bad leadership can cause, cause issues. Um, and I know that there's a limit to what people can say. But, man, like, we need a vehicle to grieve for the game that we never had. And right before an expansion comes out next year, I mean, it's not right before we have time, like a mea culpa from ArenaNet to say, hey guys, we know we haven't been the game that we should have been. We know. We want to talk to you directly about how you feel about, we know that that strikes were were a good idea that didn't come through. We know that raids got this way. We know that Living World got formulaic, whatever the thing is. Like something that feels like authenticity as opposed to right now where we feel like children being kept on the outside and we never know what's happening and what we see makes no sense. And the only choice we have is to stay or leave. There's no other meaningful choices to make in the community in a lot of ways. For someone like me and maybe you, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's... We need... You're, to, you're texting... A, go, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just obsessed by this idea of having 
the reality match the communication. This is actually a big problem I'm working on in my real life, which is making sure that the, 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 the communication matches what's happening. Um, I'm not, a, I was not born a skilled communicator. I'm arguably not skilled now. Um, but the ability to invite people in correctly by reflecting what they can expect and being accountable to those and being accountable to those expectations and responding when they don't go well is fucking fundamental in human relationship forming. And we all have a relationship with our MMOs. We all do with these characters. With fucking Logan Thackeray, I have a relationship. What, what is the Guild, <laughs> Guild Wars 2 and Arena Net? I a joke about the, about the, about the, uh, what, what is the fan fiction? thing that they wrote into the game with a the the the, the gritlock rimstone or something oh yeah shipping ritlock and uh and logan right yeah <laughs> i think that that's okay. a great one that's uh, i there's great that's a great field to plant some fanfic seeds in um <laughs> there we go there we go we need yeah. some fan art being but done right now <laughs> at the at the at the bottom line what i feel is that i have not been treated as an equal partner as a fan as a gamer and the community in general has not been treated as an equal partner by arena net informing this experience and they are trying to skate by on some level of effort without talking to us and hoping that we'll be okay with it and i think they're terrified of us because they've done such a bad job of talking to us over the years and talking and communicating can solve a lot of problems that a thousand ten thousand hours of development couldn't because we're all oh, people who are playing this game. And man, I'm up high up on my soapbox right now. I, I knew I was gonna I didn't know I was gonna get to this point. But that is where all of this comes from for me and all this discussion about why did this happen? Where did this happen? Why don't they just talk to us, Raka? Uh, you're talking about a complex thing, right? And like there's a there's a No doubt. There's a lot of topics that you're kinda 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 scratching at there, right? It's like you're talking about about what's their image talking about what is their communication to their player base mm -hmm. you're talking about what is their marketing because marketing and communication are two different things mm -hmm. um and and what does the game display itself as right like what are their public focuses right because uh to us the combat is great but to them right like their public focus isn't is clearly not the combat right to them their public focus very much is uh the, the social parts the story um they don't advertise their race they don't advertise themselves as the great combat game that they are right um and and when it comes to the what i'm totally with you is 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 the communications right that's something i've i, I, I always wanted that one of the reasons why i was looking to become part of the partner program initially when i when i did um is because i wanted that com contact i wanted to give them feedback i wanted to talk to a dev i wanted to mm -hmm. hear their processes because it interested me it still interests me today um then again of course i eventually quit that program because i didn't feel like that kind of uh not not just because I didn't feel like that. they they do communicate with their partners, but um, because I never felt like it was that level of communication. It felt like they. It feels like it feels like Anet communicates about the things. And I'm not talking about the partner program here. I'm talking about in general. Mm -hmm. It feels like Anet communicates about the things that they want to communicate about. Mm -hmm. So um, if you ask them a question about 
what they at that point are enthusiastic about like hey what what about the voice actor of timey isn't isn't that a great voice actor mm-hmm. they'll go off on a tangent they'll hold a hold a speech they'll, they'll grab all your friends they'll tell you all about that amazing voice acting uh-huh. right? but if you ask them about why the fuck are raids not getting developed anymore right they'll be silent mm-hmm. you you won't hear a, a thing right and uh and you just kind of have to wonder to what extent this is the company, right? Like, to what extent can't they talk about this? Because if they told you rates are dead, well, they're going to lose players who buy gem store stuff, you know? Like, if you if they tell you something isn't... Um, if they if they reply in, an, in a way that they know will be uncomfortable, I think this is also a, the thought that this eventually erects in me, right? It's like, if they don't answer me, I'm assuming they don't answer me because... They know that the answer won't make me happy. Yes, that's the reason. If I ask why are there no new rates and they don't answer me, I immediately assume that okay, no, no new rates. That's why they're not telling me. Uh-huh. Right? Like or like, um, so yeah, they they tend to rather ignore these issues and say like, oh, they're on the table. Maybe someday there'll be a new. That's the case right now, right? Didn't they say something like, no, yeah. rates aren't off the table forever, but we're not focusing on them right now? Such a vague statement. It's such a vague fuck it's you meaningless. Kind of statement. Yeah. It doesn't answer anything, right? It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Soon, soon TM, it's on the table. The meme will never die. Yes, right? yes. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I very much feel that. Absolutely. You can yeah. have these conversations, by the way, with devs. I've had, I've had these kind of conversations uh, at Gamescom, for example. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. my go-to example is like, uh, right before Path of Fire launch, that was right before I actually entered. The, I wasn't a, a Reunited partner at the time. Um, or was I? No, I, wa- I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, but I got into an arena net at, at Gamescom. They don't have a stand at Gamescom, right? But they what they used to do is they would, um, <clears throat> usually even at the same place, they'd like have a get-together, a community meetup, mm-hmm. and they'd usually make a blog post about it, and you could... You could um, not sign up for it, but you could apply to it. And if you were lucky, then you were one of the like 50 people that they'd mm. sent an invite to. Okay. Uh, but partners got in. Partners would get an invite yeah. always, right? I've like, seen pictures of those get-togethers. Yeah. And Okay, yeah. And and um, when I was there, uh, Mike Z was there, who was, of course, um, the um, game director for Path of Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I'm not sure if game director is the perfectly correct term, but like, he, you know, he was yeah. in charge of Path of Fire. He was yeah. like lead design, I think. Of part of fire and that was the year before that came out so of course we had a lot of questions to him and he was like he was the greatest guy like i had the best talk with him i've ever had yeah with anything about good stewards insane like the guy knew everything he was talking about i asked him questions literally to challenge how much he knows about the game um and he answered them like mm. truthfully and informed like i'd ask like the the question i'd ask him is uh why do consumables fuck with lupica so much mm. do you like do you even know what i'm talking about when i say i don't know like, what you're talking do, about yeah like do you know do you know an item called highlight potions ah uh. do you know how people use like harpy feathers and stuff in dungeons to give them boons or something and there's like an item called highlight potions and that gives you swiftness and if you and, and you can just completely break the AI of Lupicus with that, like huh. you can let if you use that item and places on the ground while he's doing a certain phase animation, he just gets stuck in his first phase for the entire rest of the fight. <laughs> uh, 
yeah yeah for no reason at all like it's just janky code or something right you know like you know it's just throw the occasional question like that out there hey wh- why do why do your consumables fuck your ai so much like uh-huh. just because i wanted to see does he know what i'm talking about how know does he how well does he know his game and he knew it so well he he gave me a satisfactory uh-huh. answer to that which i didn't even ex- expect right he was like yeah okay there yeah that's because the boss kind of interacts with items in this kind of way you know and, and and starts talking about it. I'm like, wow, I'm amazed that you even give me an answer to this, right? Ah, um, this very edge case and, and stuff that not a lot of people know about. And he was right there with you at the same level. Yeah, not higher. We had the best talk. It was amazing. Yeah. I, I was I, I was I had such a fan moment at the time. Like I was, uh-huh. I, and that carried on into how I approached my criticisms about POF for the entire year to come. Is because I had this guy talk to me. Yeah. Uh, be honest about it. He gave me his email address and his in-game name. Like, I still to this day, I'm like, dude, the fucking lead designer of Path of Fire just added me as a friend in the game, you know? Like, That's cool. Um, you could actually see him and oh, used to be able to see him in LA talking to people in MapChat quite a bit. People mm-hmm. just didn't know who he was. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah, and, everyone uh, I've talked to about Mike Z has been impressed with him. Yeah, exactly. Like, and 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 I think that's what you are saying. It's like we kind of need this kind of communications, right? This kind of yeah. figure that will talk to the community that we can look up to and trust and that will talk to us in this kind of way because that seriously built trust for me. And even though I th- I'm I'm looking back now, there's a lot of things about POF that I'm seriously disappointed with and feel mm-hmm. almost betrayed. I feel like they straight up lied about some parts mm. right? Um, that to me were encouraging at the time. I'm still willing to like give him so much leeway because the guy just impressed me so much with, yeah. with um, how openly he talked about all this stuff. Right? Yeah. Um, and as a as someone who was in a position to be an, be an authority on the game, that trust building experience that you had yeah. with him made you connect with him and with and with the game and with yeah. with your audience. As a result, those things multiply out. And Absolutely. whereas those other experiences where communi- that will only seem to communicate around good news, yeah, our church, our trust, that's, I mean, that's destroying that experiences. Trend, right? Um, the lead designer can't always be there and have a one-on-one talk with you, right? So yeah. once the the kind of the publicity machine kind of takes over and it becomes less of a personal talk with a dev, or you you can have these kind. Of, I've, I mean, if I've I've talked to devs before, right? People thought yeah. like you know there are devs in the community. They're just people that, that, that you know exactly that, yeah. that have a chat. They they you know they love their job and they talk about. They don't give away any info, of course. Yeah, right. But, I had a great conversation you know. with the, the lead designer on Planet Side a couple months ago. Yeah, a and, guy you who. Know, these, these are... Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You, you, I think you there's just a little bit of a, okay. of a time delay. The, the internet communications. I was going to say that the, his his name is Rel. I mean, sorry, his handle mm-hmm. is Rel. His name is not. His mama didn't give him that name, and he um he he's been ridden hard by the community for a long time. And I really wanted to put a human face on him when I talked to him. Um, really, really fascinating story. He went from being someone who played a game to someone who made videos for the game, someone who was doing contract work for the game to being hired full time, and now he's the lead designer on it. Like that's cool. Dude. It's a, that's it's, awesome. It's neat as hell. Um, but the community, a, a lot of people in the community actually hate the guy. They see that they they pin the problems of the game on him. So the, I mean, I I get the peril of being too open. But I think that that's part of the bargain in relationship yeah, forming. And I yeah. think the game studios, like ArenaNet, need to own up to the idea that they owe a relationship between themselves and not necessarily each individual gamer, but the game community as a whole. And it's like, yeah. to, to your point, one of the first things you said when I got off my rant, 
is this is a compl is this is complicated and a lot of things are involved. I agree with you 100%. I'm not saying it's easy, but you don't get to opt out. You don't get yep. to opt out of communicating. And there is a way to give bad news. There just is. Um, yeah. And destruction, destruction can lead to creation as well. I would much rather have a reading that come out with their hands ringing and say, guys, raids were a great time in ArenaNet. We loved raids, but we don't really see them as a future for our game. So here's what we're going to do with raids. And maybe they'll go back and put some cool items in it and a cool achievement for like doing a raid tour, like, like, like a memorial tour of raids. They'll give raids a big send off, mm. but that'll be it for raids. And they'll say, for now, we're going to do strikes. And here are the changes we're going to have. Like you build, you package in destruction with creation because any creative yeah. act, you cannot be shackled to the thing you've done in the past. Um, a comparison I've also made in the same, the same vein is if you like fall in love with like an album from an artist and they put out something a few years later and it's like, what the fuck is this? This is, this is nothing like what I loved about their last album. Why would they do this? As a musician, you have to creatively progress and you have to let go of the successes of your past to have any future success. Games got to do that too. And they, they need to be more, com and live services games need to figure out how to let go of things that didn't work for some reason in a way that the community can get on board with. There are other games that are dealing with this right now too. World of Warcraft is struggling mightily with how to give their players power, increase, power increases that feel fun without screwing them up three expansions down the line. Destiny 2, same thing. They just, they just took half of the game's content, more than half the game's content, out of Destiny 2, and they vaulted and put a maximum power level that makes, these, what, what, on, that makes them irrelevant on 75% of the weapons in the game. They've shrunk the game down and said, guys, our game is going to be smaller, but it's going to be better in the long term. And they, 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 they fuck some stuff up. There's a lot part, part of that community that doesn't like it. But I actually think that Destiny is, the Bungie is kind of likely to fix it, figure it out. Because they actually have a pretty good track record of communicating with their community about things that do and don't work and trying things. Um, and that's what so I, I don't see with ArenaNet. I, so, so I'm tempted to agree, but there's also some part of this that's like, because we were talking about earlier, right, about them throwing away content instead of fixing it, right? Uh-huh. So they, there needs to be like a balance, right? Like, but throwing away um, content is not the same thing as leaving it to rot. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a distinction yeah, there. Fair point. Yeah. And okay. and sometimes all it takes is a communication. Hey guys, dungeons are dead. Please treat them like like, like yeah. legacy content. We're gonna do everyone a favor. I mean, they 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 did basically say that. Right, but they, they I think they made a statement. And they could have they could have elevated that statement by making them all so soloable or something like that mm. by just reducing the health on every mob by like like 75 percent i don't know what it would take but like, but like seriously retouching them and making them into something other than they were other than rather than just letting them be what they are right right i like mean for that statement to eventually be forgotten kind of yeah or, or or change the personal story so that it stops telling people to go to the dungeons like you have to make what I mean, happens the way, the way they handle dungeons was bad in, in some right. Ways, right you, but, you have to make what you say match up to what you do and this is this is the issue is that we see things being done without being communicated, without any communication. And we're led to form our own conclusions. So, But for them to communicate something, they first have to have a battle plan and they don't have a battle plan. So how can they yeah. communicate? 
if they themselves don't know where they're going. Yeah. They don't have that, that, and that's what we've been saying before. They don't have that kind of direction. They are, they're struggling with direction. And, um, and I think that's, that's probably kind of the core maybe even of that problem is that um, it's very hard to give, to make promises when you don't actually know what you're doing next. You can't promise, okay, we're going to become the ultimate PvP game next year if you don't actually know whether you are going to be doing that. Maybe next year what you'll be focusing on is another, um, is, is, a, is, is mounts again, or like, you know. A new feature like that is, is maybe the next yeah. thing you're going to be focusing on is going to be housing and you're going to suddenly try to become the big social game yeah yep um, um i think you've closed the so loop yeah, on I it guess, i think that's it and and, and there yeah and I, you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna um throw one last comparison to final fantasy okay. here okay Please. final fantasy has when it launched was terrible right like people fucking hated it what 1.0 final fantasy it was a huge failure um, and they had um, a big change in their leadership, right? So this guy, Yoshi P, came along, um, and he got put in charge, and he was the guy, maybe you've heard the story of how they completely yeah. redid the game, right? Yeah. Like they did it's... the whole, we burn it all down, and we build it up again, right? Danny O'Dwyer on, on his YouTube channel, no, no Clip did a really fantastic um, yeah. documentary, documentary on it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's worth amazing. a watch. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, um, and this guy is the leading figure, and you can see that he has, he is the direction of the game, and it's a huge part of why people trust this game so much, is that this person is around, everybody says, like, as long as this person is around, the game will never die. Mm. Like, people have undying faith in this person, in, in this Yoshi P. So it's a real fan cult around him, honestly. Huh. Um, and th there's like this whole layer of trust and direction and you know every people know what to expect from him people know like what kind of person he is he know they know what kind of promises to trust etc right like and and he's been delivering on his promises for for years at this point and mm -hmm. he's brought the game to like a glory that it's never even been able to dream of before right so yeah. um, and having this kind of figure this kind of spearhead on your on your um on your player interaction, right? Guild Wars 2 doesn't have that. Guild Wars 2 doesn't have that person. Guild Wars 2 has a few devs that are close, kind of. You know, you have Ben, you, you have Ben uh, yeah. P, uh, you have CMC, who are like the champions of the community, right? But yeah. they're just individual devs. They they don't have that kind of... Yeah, they're, they aren't leaders on the game. They, ca they, they can't, right? Because they're employees. They're not... Mm -hmm. um, and they're not employees in, in charge of communications. Mm -hmm. They are you know yeah there, there's there's well, people who work on a game who are willing to talk publicly about it they're, they're willing to need stick to look their necks out to that person yeah to me that was z for a while right because i mm -hmm. met him in person i you know I, I i felt like i had that kind of belief in him for a while before that it was mo before that it was colin um whether those people were incredibly good at it i don't know i don't think mo was incredibly good at it i didn't like i didn't I've kind of experienced him, and I've never met him in person, but whenever I meet, see him, I recognize him as this very shy guy, and yeah. um, he never gave me that feeling of having that strong sense of direction, necessarily. But at the same time, I really valued when he kind of... Um, what I valued about Mo really much was that he really stuck to his whole uh, we only talk about, what's, about it once it's shippable kind of philosophy. Yeah. And, and not necessarily because I love that philosophy so much, but because I just respected that he'd stick to it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, and he ushered in a phase he, 
or where the game really delivered. That was a lead. That was an act of leadership and direction, right? Mm-hmm. In a way, it's like that was something you could rely on, and um, that that I respected a lot. Yeah, um, and he actually came through at least for for while he was active. Um, yeah, and he actually yeah, did. Yeah. Like you say, I'm not going to speak. I'm just going to deliver. In order to in order to fulfill that, you have to deliver, and Mo did. Yeah, like yeah, raids did slow down and initially do while he was there. Um, but everything like a lot of things started happening in Guild Wars that I that I wasn't sure if it was ever really going to happen. Um, like the idea of having meaningful expansions of the world and the lore, um, new areas to explore, uh, new voice acted storytelling between expansions to do that reliably. Mike Z's biggest. Uh accomplishment in the game is probably the three month release schedule release cycle between living worlds uh maps i think that was like a big thing that pof tried to achieve uh-huh. was to be the first expansion they do that doesn't have content routes ever yeah like that always has a three month cycle and they and did that they pulled yeah, that and, and off they, he, he, he delivered on that like hard delivered on that yeah and Whatever else you say about on, Path of Fire, to deliver on. and they had a meaningful expansion of the game with mounts. Like yeah. they brought something really new and a really fresh idea that not just fresh to Guild Wars, but fresh to the whole MMO space. So they had their they had their victories in that aspect too, and 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 yeah, I want to credit that. But um, at the same time, I don't think um, either of them ever did was the one hundred percent. You know, like mm-hmm. they had their victories, but I never. I don't think I was ever in a place where I really looked at the lead designer or like at the at the CEO kind of and was like, wow, that that, that dude, one hundred percent trust, one hundred percent. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I believe in this guy. Um, like, I always felt the like Keanu the, Reeves it, of, of the development studio. <laughs> you know, yeah, I always felt like their successes came with at least an equal amount of shortcomings, mm. um, or just not communication. The big shortcoming of Mike Z was that he just didn't talk. Like he he, how many fucking how many times did he give? write a community a letter like three times maybe yeah. two times yeah in the in the like three years or something or two years mm-hmm. that he was in charge and um you know mo sometimes did these letters now that but of course if you're talking about what's now well what is now they're hiring a game director i think there's like some kind of put in charge person that nobody actually knows who he like people know his name but nobody I actually knows i don't think him. any i don't think anyone the sense that I have I reading it now is that they're they're like chicken with their head cut off, and I mean that. What what is yeah? No, like, well, there is a guy in charge. There is a a guy, but I don't know what his name is, and he's John never Carpenter. Publicly. Does that ring a bell? Maybe. Yeah, I, I, seriously, I wouldn't. Know. I heard somewhere. I, I've never heard. Of, yeah, like, he's never talked to anyone. I like, think that... he's not been on a show. He's not written a letter. He's not. Unless yep, we haven't heard from him. If I'm wrong. Yeah, he's he's yeah, not out he's there. Just, He's just a guy in a business, and yeah. he's just a guy in an office room who he's is in charge now. Yeah, and uh, hiding from me. I mean, I I could totally see him being a temporary guy, much like Mo was supposed to be a temporary guy. You yeah, know? but Mo also acknowledged um, that he had know. to get out there in front of people. Like, I think he was yeah. qu- he had he had a quiet style, like, like to your point. But he also did come out and weigh in on stuff, like especially when he first started. Um, that 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 really oh, he was a he was a giant in that industry, right? That... Like he. He's a, like a tech, like he's a huge name actually. Mike O. Like, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he's like, uh, he he he's literally like, I think he's like uh, invented software and 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 file formats that people in development use still to this day or something. Oh, like, I didn't know that about Mike. 
apparently he's like he's apparently a really really big deal actually so he, he's the, um so michael is it, kind of an engineer it sounds like by yeah, yeah he's a it's like a programmer and i mean he carried guilt was like that that team that we're talking about they've carried guilt was one to incredible victories right like to like a legendary mmo status mm -hmm. um and then kind of just went to guilt was two and, and started fucking around but um Mo came from Blizzard. He invented his he invented his own file format. He co-founded the ReadyNet and was the CEO until he left last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when when he left, um, he introduced Mike Z as like the big answer to who the community should look to. And then yeah, Mike Z exactly, quietly yeah. went out the back door right after the and, ice cream announcement. I think we need to we need to differentiate right between who the who, between a CEO of a company. And the um, community spokesperson, in a way, the, the person that the community looks to and trusts, and doesn't have to be the CEO. Yeah, um, I don't actually um, care about who the know, CEO is. Like, I probably exactly. should, but first, well, the thing I care about and the thing that I'm harping on is who who is who is the 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 backstop. Who is where the buck stops with community accountability? Yeah, like the the lead. I've, honestly, I'd probably look at like lead designers usually like who's the guy who who sets the guidelines for where the content is moving what kind of content we're focusing on and um and then also i mean i i used to look at team lead devs i looked to, i do uh, i used to i used to follow crystal raid right like yeah. as as the lead uh raid developer like and and and, and she was a huge i loved her early uh, talks i'm, on I'm still a huge fan of crystal raid yeah like, she, she, she knew she her did stuff amazing work yeah yeah and like she was just a straight-up professional dude like I've, i'd follow yeah. her on twitter always hoping for some sort of interaction like like i wanted to that's a dev i would have loved to talk to i'd never got okay. a chance unfortunately but okay if like if if i had like a list of devs that i could talk to she'd definitely be on there like you should ask like him a, a hero you should ask um, him. You never know what will come back. Her? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you said I mean, you like doing more, podcasts. She's now, right? Yeah, I, but I, sometimes you can talk about things in a way that you couldn't when you're on the other side of uh, something like that. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Ben Arnold, I guess. Yeah, I would like to talk to Ben Arnold. Um, I'm sorry, did, did I misgender Crystal? I know that I know that Crystal is a woman. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a she. I think so. I think I, I meant, I'd say you should ask them. I think is what I meant to say. But yeah, my, uh, <laughs> I kind of clipped that. So no, no, it, it very clarity. much felt like a just the wrong word, not the wrong, not the wrong intent, the wrong knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk to Ben Arnold as well. Um, more about fractals. I think Ben Arnold isn't he? Uh, you know, I love Ben Arnold. Right? He did a lot of things really well. Uh huh. But I think he's the dev who was behind instabilities and fractals uh -huh. and that is probably my least favorite change in the game ever <laughs> why um and i think that's like a good portion of why i'm not playing the game today is because i've completely quit fractals over instabilities hmm. um and fractals was kind of the one thing that kept me going in the game other than raids so mm -hmm. now instead of being 50 percent focused on the disappointments in raids and 50 percent focused on having fun in fractals I was now 100% disappointment in raids, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, interesting. In a way, I think that that you know, not not blaming you, Benny boy, okay, but you know, certainly did me wrong there, okay. I'm not gonna, so, I'm not gonna be personal, but I'm not happy. What is about the community this. sentiment on instabilities? Are, is 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 your point of view commonly shared in your opinion? 
Well, I, I see a lot of people share it. I think, um, well, I'm I'm very extreme about it. I think it it literally hurt the game mode and was very very almost detrimental to it. That's mm -hmm. my opinion. Um, but I think at least what the majority of people at least say is that it didn't add anything. It's like it took more away than it added, and okay. less people. It, it didn't. You know, there are more people that quit the game mode because of it than there are people that are playing it because of it. You know. Mm. Um, so in a way, it like it just didn't really add as much yeah. as it yeah, added as, a, it, as it took out. It kind way. of added an, an element of random random challenge to the yeah, encounters, and I think that like that's, that's what I'm thinking about what you said about Final Fantasy about why it's so good about the whole timeline thing about how you can rely on things, the idea that you can learn an encounter and know how it's going to go, but with the instabilities. Uh, there's this element of, of randomness that's, that's dragged into the works that frustrates people. I like to, to build on something that the chat here says. I don't yeah. personally, I don't think that randomness is bad, and, and necessarily you can make good randomized mechanics. Um, uh, instabs just aren't good randomized mechanics. They're bad randomized mechanics. So the mechanics are low really, quality. Really, really bad randomized mechanics. Okay. A lot of them didn't make sense when they came out. They don't get balanced as well as they should. Um, they don't get they don't get retouched as much as they should. Um, so is it the implementation or the idea that's bad? I, I would say probably the implementation mm -hmm. is worse than the idea. I don't think the idea is necessarily great. Um, but look, here's the thing: uh, Chet said this so correctly. Is mm -hmm. they are not challenges. Uh, instabilities they don't make stuff more challenging. The way they're implemented, the way they work, is they make stuff more annoying. You know. Mm. They don't, it's not actually more difficult. They don't add an interesting mechanic. They just add even more AOE spams. They just add a random CC on you. They just, you know, it, this is my favorite metaphor, I think. And I used to you I, I used to talk about this metaphor all the time. Imagine you're in the gym, okay? You're 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 pumping iron, as Arnold would say. As you right? do. You're um you would uh, um you know, be lifting weights, and every time that you're at like your maximum stress point, you know, like when you're like not all the way up but and not mm -hmm. all the way down, mm -hmm. you're at like the maximum stress point. Imagine you're right there, and then I'll flick your balls when you're <laughs> just at that point. I'll like you know, I'll sneak up to you and I'll flick you right in the balls. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to imagine, imagine that. that feeling. Okay, picture that feeling. I want uh -huh. you to feel that feeling in your brain. That's fractal instabilities. Mm. When you're at the height of doing your rotation, okay, when you're like executing a mechanic or, or uh, performing a gameplay kind of mechanic, right? Right. And then something out of nowhere happens that isn't part of anything, that has no bigger meaning, right? That doesn't tie into the mechanics, just out of nowhere appears and it like a random forces brick you to go away from stage. the boss interrupt. Yeah, honestly, even if it's just a stupid flux bomb that forces you to disengage and like interrupt your rotation and like completely ruins your damage because it's just at the worst possible moment, which can really happen. There's like a lot of classes where if that shit happens at the wrong time, you're just kind of screwed. Yeah. Like you, you take longer to get back into a rhythm than, you know. Yeah. Um, that's nuisances to me. That's not challenging. That's not interesting. It's 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 fractal instabilities are a format that's interesting on paper, but not in practice. You know, interesting on paper, you can tell yeah. people, oh yeah, look, it keeps things interesting. It, you know, it's so variety, so you know, it changes the format. You know, you can market that so well, but it ends up being kind of shit. Would it be practice. would it be accurate to say that 
that the instabilities add add random challenge, but no random incentive, and that's what makes them that, and that's what moves them from being a challenge into a nuisance. Because I think that uh, that's a that's a, an angle that a lot of people take on on them, and that kind of Anet has has followed up on this, and they've made instabilities to have both upsides and downsides, uh, which is an improvement from the initial uh, thing, but. Um, uh, at the end of the day, I think it just always the the nuisance just always outweighs the 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 positive. I I completely yeah. ignore the positives. I don't even know what half of them do, uh, and I don't notice what half of them do. You're ignoring um, a mechanic and focusing on your rotation. You're not supposed to do that, Rocka. We talked about this. Yeah, yeah. The game really doesn't want you to ignore mechanics. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they really do their best and not uh, make you think that that's a viable way of approaching a boss. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Well, I, no, I need to take uh, another quick break and then we can wrap this up. Yeah, okay, okay, sure. I'll be back in a couple minutes. Yeah, no worries, no worries. I'll leave your mic open. All right. Hello, chat. Seems like we'll have some alone time again. Hello. Uh, 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 uh. How do you guys like the the workout metaphor? That's my favorite metaphor, guys. That absolutely is my favorite metaphor. Oh, you know what? This gives me this gives me a chance, actually. You know, while the um, while the 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 cameras are off i can actually oh my god uh, 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 so my chair has like this like this this state where i can like lean all the way back but when i'm on podcast like this where i have face cam i put it in like the upright position so that the camera has like a place to focus on uh, and i just completely let go of that oh my god that feels so good that feels amazing ooh, ooh. <laughs> Broken, you said you you said earlier that you um you were interested in the take on strikes and that you had a bit of a take yourself. Um, did you did you write anything at all? Did you did I maybe miss something about what What are your thoughts, dude? If you even if you still remember the um the the talk we had about that topic, let all the te- dude, you know you you underestimate. I mean, I'm, I mean everybody knows that feeling when you're in a meeting and you sit on an upright chair for like an extended period of time. Think about streamers do that all the time, right? Every streamer that has a face cam on has to sit in a certain way and not move too much. You can't constantly lean back and forth because you go out of frame and back into frame. People don't think about that enough, okay? That means that somebody who streams for a long time, they have to sit straight for a really long time. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, so imagine the relief of a streamer when they turn off their face cam finally and they get that moment of, okay, now nobody's watching me. Dude, I'm going to fucking stretch so much. Ugh, it's awesome. I love it. So yeah, I'm actually enjoying this this little break as well, dude. I love this podcast, man. This podcast is so fucking fun to be on. Very cool. Gotta get, I mean, why? This, this podcast needs to fucking, needs, needs some followers, dude. We need to get this bad boy to grow a little bit, man. This deserves more viewers, honestly. So I know a whole bunch of streamers who are for yeah, no, I I I yeah, yeah, honestly, that's the one thing. I don't like the whole VTuber thing necessarily, but that I I kinda understand that honestly. I I'd I'd like to have an animated avatar just talk for me while I'm while I'm, you know, slobbing out behind behind my computer. Right? I think that's a very appealing thought. I should become a VTuber. I should Deke. You you are hey. back. People don't see you yet, but you're back, right? So yeah, yeah. Question: What's Would up? you like to be a VTuber? That's the thing where you have like a a three D avatar. Yeah, it's where you have like an animated avatar to to like you know talk for you or 
What makes you think I don't already have one? <laughs> That's some advanced signal. Why would I choose this there, avatar? It's the yeah. thing he's thinking. <laughs> well, I mean, because it's because it's uh, sexy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't so, know. I don't know. Like we were talking about how how when you're streaming for a while, you know, when you're face cam on, you you know, you have to sit straight. You have to make sure that you're in frame of your camera, and you can't you can't really you know like I did earlier, right? Like you can't just lean back like this because your uh -huh. face will literally disappear, right? So you have to like sit up straight, and if you do that for like four hours, you know, it's really like to stretch. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I tend to come in on on the side of make it just make it work like if you're gonna slouch just like point your camera down or yeah yeah uh i don't know i i think that the thing about vtubers i don't like is that it kind of it kind of chips away what makes the medium good which is authenticity true and yeah, maybe no, i get that this is true if it's part of like a performance that has some creative value then sure well people just like streaming as anime chicks with with big i was gonna say boobs. i think i think what probably almost bothers me the most about it is just how incredibly weep it is kind of like i don't i don't mind anime at all right like but yeah. the way that it's be that this pers the way that most vtubers are right it's very very the kind of anime that i think is uh i don't know is not my my kind kind of i was I actually I was actually uh, so i was i was reading through, through your twitter feed before this to, to find potential conversational handles I never need to do this because I always can just talk and talk and talk, but I did anyway. Um, well, I, I like to get to know people I like a little that. bit. I like that you're prepared like that. Yeah, so, I, I, I have like a little like informal outline. I don't really use it, but I have it. But I saw you make that tweet about um, uh, being creeped out by, oh I can't remember what was it. I think it was anime babes, something like that. Yeah, there are some anime, anime games that I feel, you know, that make me uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, well, I, I, mean, I, you know I, I, I watch anime, okay? Okay. I'm just going to be honest, right? I watch some anime. You know, I, I, I've been watching One Piece for I don't know how many years, okay? Every now and then I watch one of the proper ones that don't air in, in outside of Japan, right? Mm -hmm. Every now and then if, if, if one comes along that looks cool, you know, I give it a watch. So, um, but, you know, and I don't mind if games have an anime appeal. I mean, I play Final Fantasy, and Final Fantasy is, is basically a mix of high fantasy and anime, right? Yeah, it's um, kind of light weeb. Yeah, it's yeah. That's a good word for it. Diet it's weeb. light weeb kind of. But then there are games like Genshin Impact, mm -hmm. um, that's just hot. Like that's leans I've, into I've, it. I've noticed this when I was playing Code Vein recently. Um, it's like people like jokingly call it Weep Souls because mm -hmm. it's like a Souls-like title in an anime aesthetic. Uh, when you get like these super anime kind of characters and everything is like Omega anime and like you just have these stereotypical big titty anime waifus you know like that you just know people are printing on body pillows and and at that point it's like where i'm in the game and i'm like okay this character is designed in such an obvious fan service kind of way that i feel uncomfortable playing it like because if i i'm talking to this character and i know that that's been designed because they want to like shoot at my 14 year old hormones in a way you know yeah. and it's just there's something about that just does make me that makes me uncomfortable you know that it's yeah. like like give her put put some decent clothes on this character like i you know yeah, you know what where what are you yeah hmm? i i hear you it just on makes this. Me uncomfortable. i don't know it's yeah. like it's... actually me too me too and i've i've given this some thought um trying to figure out why uh, why it makes me uncomfortable i mean sex sells 
I'm, I'm comfortable with that. You know, there are naked and half naked women all over lots of very successful commercial products. Um, look at, look at armor and guild wars, even like, look I at mean, every game has this to an extent. Right? Yeah. Like to some extent it's, it's going to be there. Why is the most popular race and gender selection in guild wars to human female? Um, well, obviously, um, sex works as a way to attract people. So, but why are we okay with it in some places and not, not okay with it in others? I think for me, and you tell me if this describes you too, it has to do with infantilization. So the thing about anime babes that, I don't mind like a cartoonish portrayal of, 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 of a woman in a portrayed in a sexy way. What tends to bother me is when we see a childlike character portrayed that way. A character who acts, communicates like a young girl. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that to be quite, quite almost like pedophile fucked adjacent. Up. It's, kind of fucked up. Yeah. it's really not cool in my mind. It it's, really, it's, it's, yeah. it bothers me. And I, and I ask myself, why are people attracted to it? And I think probably it's just simple. Like, like I, I guess people who like, are are generally more like not like l less dominant men or or less <clears throat> less sexually successful men want an image of an attractive woman that they feel that they could easily be a dominant partner to, and what's easier to dominate okay, than, you know, than a child? Don't you know they're not actually children? They're like two thousand year old dragons. And this is the workaround. Look. This is the workaround. Yeah, and <laughs> no one buys it, and that's the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just find the the it's 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 a meme. It's a good meme, like the two thousand year old dragon thing. Yeah. No, I, I I honestly I don't even want to go at the on the on the on the child tension. I totally agree. It's mm -hmm. it's fucked up. The whole you know they they do that shit a lot, and it's supposed to be like lowly and cute and stuff. And I know I know girls that find that stuff cute. That just like you know play this, and they don't look at it in like that kind of. Like if you if you if you watch a guy play these games, you you're just kind of assuming that the reason they would be into those characters is the tangent that you're you know referring that to, right? Uh -huh. Like I, I know girls that play these games and they they just think that they're adorable, right? Sure, um, but I, there's a different angle depending on on your sexuality and your preferences. I absolutely, think that what you're saying is 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 true. Absolutely, yeah. I I, I just. I don't, I don't like, but it bothers me even when it's not the childlike characters. Okay. It bothers me when it's the big titty anime girl that does look like she's 18, barely 18, of course, as always, but you know, um, Why she's, it bug you? she doesn't look like a child, right? Like, talk or act about like a child, an, an, a character that does look adult. Um, I feel like it's, it's in a way predictability. I feel like anime works in tropes a lot. Mm. So, like, you, you know, like you have your, typical anime characters kind of yeah mm -hmm. i don't have you ever heard the the term tsundere no or something like that you know there's like there's literally like names for these tropes of like the girl that is like all strict with you but inside she's totally shy i believe you know, it. that's like yeah that's like a trope that that has a name uh -huh. you know and you just and i feel like and they are supposed to be sexual in a way right there like there's you know there are people that have like fetishes for that shit so you you know that people like they make these characters with a certain trope in mind mm -hmm. um it's just i don't know it just feels predictable it feels unappealing and it uh, and i always feel like they're insinuating that i'm into that shit you know <laughs> yeah. in a way i feel like as a player i always feel like you feeling like 
like like there's an attempt to be fan serviced and the fact that yeah, it's, 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 it's such naked fan service which by the way a great yeah. plan uh, which insinuates that i would want it because yeah, of that fan service that you are a dumb time, i don't want it just yeah. so nobody will think even though nobody will even know i played yeah that game. just so by know. by accepting that 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 creative work that art that has <laughs> sorry merrick no, that... we're already done with that i'm afraid but... yeah we're on to anime babes now so um and i lost my thought um you so were, were talking ta about talking about, about go ahead anime chicks and i was talking about fan how, service um, yeah like the they're... idea that you would be so easily fan serviced bothers you yeah, exactly like makes me not want to be fan serviced and then i want to not play the game and i'm like I will not fall for your bullshit. What, uh -huh. what do you take me for? Yeah. Uh, I'm not so so yeah. easily won. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what um what any more sophisticated what, what someone more sophisticated in their in their sexuality should feel like. Um if you have a a a creative work that's 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 just trying to pander at a baser instinct. And it doesn't even have to be sex, it can be other things too, like power fantasy, hello video games. Um I don't want to I don't want to put it all on that honestly like I feel like I feel like maybe that might be true for like for some people uh -huh. but I don't think that's that's generalizable you know I, I wouldn't say anybody who plays an anime aesthetic game um or I don't know just finds waifus attractive right oh I think um, that's true automatically has like a week uh, has like some kind of sexual issue. Right? I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm not painting know. an all-inclusive brush. I'm talking about in aggregate, in generals, like yeah, gen general this... trends that I've observed. And I'm not like qualified to talk about this. By the way, I'm just a guy. Like I just. Uh, we're all honest. N nobody here is qualified to talk about anything. If we get down to it, like... that's why it's a podcast. <laughs> seeing the same exactly. Journal. Like hey, dude. Like we, we talk about shit. Get over <laughs> it. Like... I, I think though. Okay, so. You, you, this stuff bothers you, but not in the same way that it bugs me. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I get the, I get the sense. The, the thing you're referring to bothers me too, right? It's just like I don't want to, I don't want to generalize. I don't want to. I, I, I have I friends see. who are, you know, I, I have friends who are on Twitter talking about, dude, I fucking love a uh, big titty anime waifus, right? I just like it, you know. Like I don't know, I find it attractive. Um, uh huh. And. I wouldn't say that they are like sexually depraved or something like sexually, uh, you know, I like, sounds like you don't want to say anything about them. No, I mean, I, they're, they're my friends and I know that they're yeah. not in the head, right? Like, yeah. um, and they, you know, I, I, that doesn't mean they are, I don't know that they like enjoy positions of power. What, what you said earlier, you know, like it just means they have like a taste that I can't really vibe with, you know, like that's very pluralistic of you. Like, well, you know, it's, it's like when I say that, you know, you don't have to raid, like, I don't, I may not understand why you play the game purely for the story, but you know, I can still kind of respect it that that's just your taste in a way. Yeah. I, it's not like I, I draw the line when it comes to like the, the child pornography shit and you know, like the, the over-sexualized children characters, right? But okay. I'm not talking about that necessarily. I'm just talking about generally the anime aesthetic. Mm -hmm. About like when I talk about the 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 stereotype big titty anime waifu, that's not necessarily a lowly girl, right? That's not necessarily the the child tangent. So, what are the core concepts behind a big titty anime waifu? <laughs> Google it. Google it right now. And 
<laughs> I want to know what you show think. Show the results on stream. I want to know what you think. I'm not going to lie to it. Through Final Final Fantasy has a very large demography of players, okay, uh-huh. that are into into anime, okay, uh-huh. and ever since I've started following a lot of Final Fantasy people, my Twitter feed has at least once <laughs> a day I see a retweet of some Asian artist who draws pinup pictures of of anime girls, right, uh-huh. and. It's getting to the point where I'm actually unfollowing a lot of people. It's like, so it it it, it just, turns yeah. you off, bugs you. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you I, feel like when when you hit that unfollow button? Mostly just it's getting too much and it's like annoying to. to Why does it annoy you though? And, uh, because it's not my taste. It's not my taste. Right? Okay. It's, it's the same reason why I'm not playing Guild Wars Two right now. Right. Are you it's unfollowing just... Guild Wars Two, uh, people? If if they'd repost anime girls all the time, I would. Yeah, I guess that that's the um, the distinction I'm I'm trying to 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 eliminate. Well, look, so if, if, why why would you, so if someone's tweeting about Guild Wars two, and you still follow them, but someone's tweeting about tweeting out anime babes and you unfollow them, what's the difference? I mean, no, but that that really that that's hard to generalize because um, the people that I unfollow on Twitter are people that I followed that are content creators that I don't know. Uh-huh. Right? Like I don't know them personally. Every I I know almost every content creator in Guild Wars Two personally, and I'm uh-huh. like friends with most of them. I've almost every I would say pretty much every content creator I follow on Twitter, mm-hmm. I've interacted with. I I know them from being in a in this scene together for so long. Right, like. If if Teapot started retweeting pictures of of uh, you know of I don't know anime girls that I don't vibe with or something, I wouldn't unfollow Teapot because I'm still like consider myself good enough friends with Teapot and like I like him enough as a content creator outside of that that I'd you know I just that's not enough reason for me. But if it's just somebody that I followed at some point because I wanted to learn about the community, then yeah, that means nothing to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like um, the inconvenience isn't worth the payoff. I get it. Yeah, exactly. Whereas with Teapot, he's pure know, value. Like, <laughs> and, and subscribing to him with Twitch Prime is, is <laughs> really good value. It gives you yeah. a great rush. A, you know well, what I'm so- noticing? It's like I have like a like a, a, a lazy eye kind of thing where like one of my eyes is like just... I do that too. I've just noticed that watching myself on the stream is like, my dude, one of my eyes looks like it's... <laughs> I think it's getting a little late over there for you, man, my uh, friend. <laughs> yeah, it's almost 3 a.m. now. Yeah. We've uh, been going for a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm curious to learn more about, about what you feel about, about, about anime babes, but I'm also feeling like you kind of don't want to go there. It's, because you're afraid you're, you're going to call it's, somebody it's out like, or make someone feel excluded. All, all, no, all I'm, all I'm trying to say is that not everybody who, who is into the anime aesthetic is all automatically a fucking weeaboo, weirdo nerd, you know, who's who's a pedophile in disguise, right? Um, you know, uh-huh. if people I think that's, are into, that's reasonable. I agree. You know, if people are into, like, I don't know, like fucking cartoon depictions of girls with big titties, then, you know, sure. So why aren't you into it? That's what I want to know. It's just, you know, why, why, why do you not like certain types of music? Right? I can tell you some things. Like, th- th- this is the question. So, like, yes, it's okay for people to disagree, but they're not here. You are. Yeah. I want to know what you think, and it's okay. I don't, I don't know. It just, yeah. Okay. It just makes me uncomfortable to some extent. Uh huh. 
Like I don't know. I mean, it's it's what it's what I said before. It's like I don't I don't hate anime. I watch anime and um, I play games that have anime in them. It's 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 mostly bothers me when it happens in games when I feel like I'm being like you know fan service to an extent where I feel like yeah. where I feel uncomfortable with it. You know yeah. where I feel like the the fan service you're giving me is insinuating that I want this kind of fan service. Almost, right. Right. That's why it makes it's me kind of insulting. If somebody. And if somebody posts pictures that are just like basically straight up, like very borderline, not safe for work, mm-hmm. um, then at some point I may find that annoying. Right? Doesn't mean that I that I don't think that anime can be sexy or something. Right? Doesn't mean that I don't think that you can paint pretty women in the, in in an anime fashion or something. <laughs> Doesn't mean I hate I the genre. I'm, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Um, okay. You Look, know, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to paint you into of... a corner, man. I, I, I want to give you a graceful <laughs> exit to this. <laughs> you cannot, you cannot talk about this without, you know, like somebody lit, hearing it as something that you're not saying, right? Yes. Because I'm not saying certain things there, right? I, I totally, and... I totally respect if you don't want to go there. There's no need to. Absolutely. No, it's just, you know, it's like in any aesthetic. If somebody, if somebody was to to um, post semi-nude pictures. You can find that you can find that attractive to a point, but you can also get to a point where you feel like, dude, there's so much of this, and it, like on my timeline at this point, and I feel like uh, it's not tasteful anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. right uh, that that you'd unfollow that person as well, right? Even if it's not anime, even if it's any other aesthetic, whether mm-hmm. that's could be like a cut, it could be like Marvel cartoon style, right? It yeah. could be literal photographs, right? Once you feel like maybe it's not, you know, it's just not done in a tasteful way that you subjectively like, right? Then you know what bugs you me? Know, you, you've got unfollowed at some point, right? You know what bugs me? Hmm. Real time strategy games. I have no idea how people can enjoy them. I can't connect with them. The whole top down point of view, the 2D side scrolling thing, I think it's dumb. All the macro, people spamming keys in their keyboard, actions per minute. Who cares? Okay. So that 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 is an opinion that I have for me. I don't get what people yeah. like about it. I mean, I, I kind of do. I'm lying. I kind of get it. But I don't think that. And it's okay for me to say that. Like, if I tell you I don't like R- RTS games, I think they're kind of dumb. And here's the reason why I don't like it. That's okay. Like, that's not going to really offend anybody. But what I hear from you is you saying, me saying something bad about about uh, anime babes or waifus. I'm not sure what the correct wording is, right? Um, that you're very worried about you're going to to offend or hurt someone by saying what you think, it sounds like. No, and... I, th- I think. Uh, let, let, let me let me chime in on that. I think you know. The, yeah, the please. Reason why I even said something in the first place is because I feel like it's very easy to generalize and it's very easy to paint people in a really really negative picture. And especially when you're like talking about something that's sexual or something that's even leaning towards pedophilia, um, having some nerd who finds anime chicks hot, right? And comparing that to a pedophile that, you know, that draws pictures up in people's head and that can stir really negative emotion. Yeah. So like, so I want to, in that respect, I kind of want to defend a lot of people because I don't think that the majority of people who watch anime or who find that attractive are pedophiles, right? Because um, that very quickly, you know, that just very quickly takes it to a level that just, you know, that is very immoral and very, very... Yeah, that that can really, you know. Yeah, look, be unex- inexcusable. I don't right? think like, that people who like anime are pedophiles. Yeah, I'm only drawing a comparison. 
to yeah, to, yeah. No, I, I wasn't to, trying to, to say that you to paint are, a picture to paint a picture of how it disturbs me. So when when you look when you ask the question of how does how does Deeg feel about anime waifus, and I want to make sure that you understand the way I feel, and this isn't the way I feel about people. This isn't the way I feel about individuals. You can't take something that I feel specifically and, and say I apply the same lens to everybody. Everyone can think something different. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is I include that word because that's how strongly of a negative feeling I have about it. Yeah. And, and that's understandable. The reality I, is I, that I do agree with I think there are some, right? Like And maybe there are. I'm I'm not actually talking about anybody else's opinion about it. I'm just talking about me and what I think and what I think it would take for me to enjoy it. But that's just me. I think I think that that animated uh, portrayals of women are can be insanely attractive. Are you kidding me? Like I'm guilty of of enjoying looking at shit too. Um, I, I'm just saying the fact that the part of it that, that bothers me is uh, the yeah. is the idea yeah. of the the childlike portrayal. And honestly, exactly. I'm not a sophisticated yeah. consumer of anime, so I could be mischaracterizing it. And maybe I should have put popped in a quick disclaimer there, because. I think that it's okay for people to like the things they like. The things that matter is what they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And there is a whole world of kink out there. I'll tell you, people like all kinds of different things and there are all kinds of safe ways to explore the way, the, the things that everyone likes and that's okay. He's got to find the right way to do it and the right people to do it with. If you know what I'm saying. So with that said, I also unfollow people who post a lot of anime babes. Just me personally. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah. Dude, we're <laughs> getting into like, into. Like, this is this... true basement side talk right here. This is true like late night ventrilo. Like for these kind of, I feel like I'm, I'm at some point. I'm just gonna say something that's like really stupid, just because I'm tired and I don't really, yeah. like think as, as well anymore. Right? Should like, we give Raka a break, everyone? If we, Should if we let him off the hook? Talking about like. If we're gonna be talking about like serious shit, right? Like you should have done this at the front, huh? Hmm. We should have done it at the front, huh? Well, look, this doesn't have to be the last <laughs> time we talk, talk. Raka. Let's like, just get the topic out of the way. What do you think about big titty anime wives? Right? What like, that's what we'll lead with next time. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to end on this, so I'm just gonna start <laughs> with it right away. Look, I've been doing my research. I've read the following <laughs> articles. I have some evidence to present. <laughs> I also yeah. have some uh, people on know, call. I can bring into the conversation. Look, there's there's another thing is like I like to do tweets that are like a little bit controversial with my following, like with the people that I I have on Stir Twitter that read my tweets. Uh huh. So like every now and then I'll I'll throw a tweet out that is an opinion of mine that I know will just like some people won't like, right? Uh huh. Um. So why do you do that? I mean, the Git was two community certainly knows that side of me on Twitter, and uh, well, you know, the fine fantasy community can 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 learn some about that as well every now and then, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so next yeah, time we I talk, just, all know. the things that are wrong with Final Fantasy XIV, starring Easy Raka. Oh, I mean, game has plenty of things that are that aren't great about it, right? Yeah. Like, Guild Wars Two does does stuff better than Final Fantasy. Sure. Final Fantasy has shit open world, garbage open world. It's okay. Not existent, basically, right? Like Guild Wars Two does it so much better. Guild Wars Two does mounts a lot better, right? Like mm-hmm. the movement, all of movement. You know, Guild Wars Two just no game can really hold a candle to give us two on that. But yeah, it does a good job. Well, hey, Raga, right. I, I want to let you off the hook and let you get some sleep. 
Thank you. Is, is, is it getting that noticeable that I'm like, <laughs> well, look, it's, it's my job, like to monitor the, the conversation, how people are doing. Sometimes people will say, I need, hey, I need you to head out. A good, you are a good podcast host. Can I just say that Thank you're you. an excellent podcast host? Yeah. <laughs> I greatly Very appreciate good. that. You've, you've been doing a great, excellent job. Absolutely. Well, I rather enjoyed the conversation. I am flattered that you, that you would come on and I've really, it's just been really fun. Um, I hope yeah, that you had a really good time too. Absolutely. I loved it, dude. Cool. One of my best times on a podcast ever, I'd say. Well, I'll, I'll I'll take that. Um, I yeah. wouldn't be doing a good podcast host thing if I didn't give people a chance to know where to find you and what you're up to. I don't. I you know my my days of an active content creator have kind of come to a halt. I'm not really actively. The most activity you get out of me, honestly, is on my Discord server, okay. where I still really like to interact with people. There's like a few people that's just stuck around and. We have awesome talks. We talk about, you know, Final Fantasy, Guild Wars 2. It's obviously, if if you play both games, it's a great community to hang out with. Because is it open to the have... public? Yeah, yeah. It's it's on my. It's you 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 could find it in my um in my info on my Twitch uh, okay. channel. Uh, and of course, I mean, every now and then I stream, but I, I really don't want to promise people that I'm an active streamer. Mm -hmm. I, I stream maybe once every two weeks nowadays. I'm just so busy with work. Even on the weekends, I tend to be working nowadays. And mm. I just don't really get as much time for it anymore as I yeah, as I would like to. Because but, you have no health, right? Uh, you know. Oh, but yeah, and, and on Twitter, of course. You know, as I, as I said, I really like to kind of taunt people on Twitter every now and then. And every now and then, you know, it just leads to a spicy debate or, you know, like a little uh confrontation or something yeah. which you know and I, I i like to i like to discuss stuff i like to like we've been we've been having a very nice discussion but you know i like to be confront confrontational about you know if somebody was coming back to me and be like dude trials are the best thing they've ever done if you had responded to me on and people on my stream have responded to me in that way and like oh i really don't think they're that bad then no i'll show you i'll i'll, I'll <laughs> <laughs> I'll argue until you agree that they're terrible. No, not terrible. That they're the worst thing in the world. So if you right, want to like, get into an argument that you can't win with Raka, twitter.com <laughs> slash easy Raka, twitch.com slash easy Raka, youtube.com slash easy Raka. Yeah. Uh, and his yeah, Discord, which you can get you from the Twitch, it sounds yeah. like. Uh, you know, yeah, if people want to join, if, if people want to join us, they, they'll find it, I think. You know, right. I always believe that people, you know, uh, have, the, they, they'll find the channel, they'll find the, the links. Right on. Look. And so. uh, as for me, I'm Deeg. This is my podcast, Basement Side Chats. You get a, you get to see a glimpse of what I do. Each week, I, try, I talk to a gamer about gaming things and also non-gaming things, as we can both tell. Uh, Probably and... more non-gaming things tonight than gaming things, almost. Yeah, and I'm just exploring what this looks like. I've always wanted to have long, long conversations with people about this kind of stuff. I love this, and this is the perfect vehicle for it. So I'm just, I'm just hitting it and see where it can go. Um, coming up in about six weeks, I'm will been one year since I've started. So yeah, maybe I'll try to oh, nice. figure out something new to do for 2021 with this. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Well, uh, can I, can I say congratulations yet? Or yeah. Yeah, this is oh, well, the 34th episode. I'm I'm really digging it. Um I'm I'm trying to figure out how to get more people to actually see the content at this point. But I haven't put that yeah. much effort into it. I mean, it's a, it's a shame, dude. Like this is this is such a fun podcast. This was such a fun podcast to be on and it deserves so much more uh, viewership, honestly. 
Yeah. The cool thing, hey guys, though, chat, spread the good word, right? Like, tell your friends that this was fun. Absolutely. I just I'll do massive giveaways. Follow my Twitter to get to get a chance to get a giveaway. Raffles. I hate raffles. Yeah, um, let's go. <laughs> but yeah, so the good thing about what what you just said is that when things do actually pick up for me, there's a whole back catalog of really great content people are going to be able to get to. So yeah, I don't feel too bad Absolutely. about it. In conversations like these but that's gonna do it for tonight everyone i'm deeg i've been talking with easy rocka on basement side chats and thank you chat for hanging out thank you merrick for the sub and easy rocka of course the man himself for the follow earlier today uh this is really fun and i will catch everyone uh next week at a time to be determined later peace bye bye guys